Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to episode 487 of Film Bastards. My name's Ian Loring, and as always, I'm joined by... Becky Foster, hello everybody. And Matt Foster, hello everybody. Hello, hello, one and all. It's Sunday morning, and I just opened a bottle of Heineken. Um, So it's uh, Sunday morning, Um, we're schedules just kind of all over the shop at the moment but we've made it work and we've got a pretty dang full show yeah. um out of <laughs> yeah quite no i mean like i think we all considering like all the main reviews like we were only able to see them from friday we've done well so we've all seen dungeons and dragons on our among, uh, among thieves yep we've all seen tetris yep and I think Mark and I have seen Murder Mystery 2. You've seen it as well, haven't you, Lex? Yeah, I watched it too. Oh, did did you? Okay, <laughs> yeah, all right. We, we watched that separately, didn't we? Mm-hmm. I finished at uh, 6 one evening, and then Mark finished at 9, so I stayed at work and watched it in the office. Nice. Um, I'm surprised, and it sounds like you are really happy with your choice. <laughs> so... Um, so yeah, no, no, we've got uh, yeah, we've got a full on triple banger then, brilliant. Um, also have some what we've been watching, trailers, all all that kind of good stuff. Um, Patreon.com forward slash Bill Bastards. Um, we're we're on a kind of a little bit of hiatus from the the marathons right now. I think we probably just need to firm up exactly what we're doing, and maybe we'll announce next week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. We're, that sounds we're, good. We're gonna try and do something. To, to sort of to give patrons something within the next couple of weeks, but marathons about to get in my back seat just because life has kind of got a little bit complicated for us. It, it, it had, yeah. It ev- we're all busy at the moment, like pretty fucking busy. So it's uh, we'll. I'm not busy. Oh, you do something for the patrons then, Beth. <laughs> there you go. Well volunteered. <laughs> I could do. Um, I could do a live like. Instead of a live commentary, I'll do a live like book reading. Just me quietly turning pages every <laughs> few seconds. <laughs> that would be compelling. And then going, oh, oh, don't do that. Yeah, live commentary of you reading a book would be yeah, good. It'd be great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, look, we'll 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 figure something out. But if you're not already a patron, two dollars a month and like hundreds of hours of content. Yeah. At this point, I reckon. Um, <laughs> a highlight being us genuinely having like four weeks of regret deep within COVID, I think it was, of deciding to do the Hellraiser movies as kind of a joke. When was... No, that was 2020... Yes, that was 2021. So it was kind of like COVID was defo still around. Yeah. Um but yeah, yeah. So all the Hellraisers somehow. Um, we I, I I did all the Bond films uh, over the uh, the course of like three years because I kept on having to uh, delay it when No Time to Die was getting delayed, and then literally finished it the day before No Time to Die came out. Um, timing. Um, we've done Scream. We've done Guy Ritchie. Uh, we've just finished up Bong Joon Ho, uh, Baz Luhrmann, um, Michael Mann. Yeah, um, you know. So just 
There's a lot of content. There's a lot of content. It's patreon.com forward slash filmbastards. And uh, also, please do subscribe, listen to like-minded shows uh, like Chinstroker versus Punter and Entertainment Landfill. Um, you know, other shows of the Pod Syndicate family have um, uh, have gone by the wayside. Oh, the Rewatch Project is uh, still ongoing, obviously. So we all represent the, the cockroaches of the podcast industry. Um, <laughs> we will uh, not fucking die. <laughs> yeah, we, we live on. We live on. So, um, let's get into some movie news um i'm gonna start with uh and i think this is a little bit old but i don't i don't think we've covered it so adam mckay's got a new film uh in the works um and it sounds really really weird um so I just want to find what it's called. I think it's called Average Build, Average Height or something like that. And it's about a serial killer who gets into politics to try and make the laws bend in order to make his killing easier. (laughs) Which seems like it just could happen. (laughs) I, I, I mean, it is an incredible premise. Um, and I, I, God, I just want to make sure that I haven't actually dreamed this. Yeah, no, I haven't. Okay, so, um, I'm just pulling this up. Now, average height, average build. Um, the cast, Robert Downey Jr., Robert Pattinson, Amy Adams, Forrest Whitaker, Danielle Deadweiler. Um, hell of a cast. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, don't look up. I think, in my mind's eye, we all broadly liked Don't Look Up. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, it's interesting. So, McKay had been saying that he he was writing a script that tackled big, dirty money. Um, And, yeah, I I could see that being this. Yeah, a killer using political lobbyists to help make his murders easier. Oh, he, um, he, he loves this type of shit now. He's very much in his groove of these type of movies. I'm hoping it's a little bit less scattergun than the past couple he's had. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, like, I'd them, like it. But they've, they've all seemed a little bit too heavily leaned towards satire. Yeah, look, I mean, Vice was the low point for me personally. That was fully just head up his ass. Um don't look up had a sincerity to it in moments. You know, like I think the the worst moments of Don't Look Up were when it just got fucking like it, it, just stupid. You know, like I I I think at the um the kind of like the scene towards the end of Don't Look Up with DiCaprio and Lawrence and all those people around the table and it was just like, you know, look what we had. Yeah, and you know, and and that stuff was just very, very sweet. Um, th- this sounds like it's going to be going for the jugular, um, but I mean, that's that's a that's that's a good cast. I mean, like, so what? Robert Pattinson going to be the killer? Robert Downey Jr. going to be like the lobbyist or something? Are we thinking? It sounds more like that, doesn't it? Hmm. 
It'll be, an, it'll be an interesting one. Um, so we don't know whether it's going to streaming or what yet, but um, yeah, good on him. Let's let's. I assume that'll be like filming this year out next year. So yeah, cool. Um, okay, Killers of the Flower Moon um, is going to be playing Can is coming out in October in cinemas and getting a, a theatrical release before going on Apple, um, and is apparently nearly four hours long. Which of course it's nearly four hours long. Um, I, I I want Marty to take all the time he wants to take. Yep. Uh, but the, the thing is, yeah, I, 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 I'm <laughs> very much at, at this point where um, this there's there's every new Scorsese movie because they only happen like every three years. It is getting closer to being his last. And I think Scorsese knows that. He is one who said that he will keep going until he can go no more. Um, but even he must know, do you know what, though? This might be the last one I do. It might be the last one I do with any of this collaborative team. It's why he's brought back. Why now? He said he only wants to work with the people that he, he really has loved working with throughout his career it's why De Niro's back for them all it's why DiCaprio is going to be in everything he does now um, and that you know that's it and he's added Jesse Plemons to that uh, that list of people now as well um, but Matt Damon yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if, if he wants to churn out four hours then I'm I am I am more fine with watching um, four hours of what Scorsese is doing with Killers of the Flower Moon than I am with Ari Aster's um, Uncanny Valley fucking three-hour movie. So they, they, that was exactly the comparison I, I I was thinking, Mark. And it's like, I, gen, I genuinely don't know whether I'm going to watch Bo is Afraid. Um, even if people say it's fucking brilliant and whatnot, it's just like, yeah, but if you also said Hereditary and Midsummer were brilliant, then I don't think I'm going to trust your opinion. And it's interesting. I was listening to Blank Check this morning, walking the dog, and I didn't think the embargo on 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 it had, had, had dropped yet. But David Sims, who writes for the Atlantic on there, said that he's seen Bo is Afraid, and it is just the most blank check film. It's basically him saying to A twenty four, "I made you two hits. Get the fuck out of my way." And considering what Hereditary and Midsummer are. The fact that Bo is afraid is get the fuck out of my way is something. And it's not a horror film at all, apparently. I get real strong Charlie Kaufman vibes from it, which I think is what is turning me off specifically. Yeah, I, I get that as well. Um, it looks like, to me, a little bit like if Charlie Kaufman tried to remake Big Fish. Yeah, fucking... Very direct. I mean, Bex... Four hours of Killers of the Flower Moon. How does that make you feel? I'm in, yeah. Yeah? Great cast. I like Martin Scorsese for the most part. So, yeah. I'm I'm good. And how does does three hours of Bo is Afraid make you feel? I would rather never watch an Ari Aster film again in my life, so... (laughs) Well, you know, now now that we've, we've got our... Not all three of us have to review a film. I'm looking forward to Mark's solo review of Bo is Afraid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me coming out and going, it's all right. It's a fucking great no, comedy. Do you know what? 
I don't think he was that scared. <laughs> no, Hereditary and Midsummer are bullshit, so... I don't think... I don't think he's that scared. Oh, God, sorry. That was good. Uh, I, God, that should, just be, that should just be your one-line review, and then you don't say anything else for the entire thing. I don't think he was that scared, touching cloth. Um... No, I mean, like, George said he's going to come on, like, and, like, if George comes on for it, then I'll make that sacrifice, I think. So, yeah. Um, but, hey, long movies. I'm all for long movies. Just make it make it worth it. Yeah. Um, that, that's it. You know, um, Scorsese has kind of, for, like, near on 50 years, well, actually, over 50 years of great filming, um, I think it's about time we kind of went. All right, do you know what? Yeah, Scott says he's got cash in the bank, can't they? Yeah, he can he can put the people through a four-hour movie? Yeah, and I, I, I think actually in the next sort of like over the next sort of six months up until it, I'm gonna do like a, a quite a, a bit of a soft Scorsese rewatch. Oh, I'm in for that. Uh, like I've, I've rewatched Ask Scorsese this week, um, and. Um, yeah, I'm gonna try but fitting things like silence and bits like that. The bits that I've not. Watched. I rewatched the Scorsese this week. What did you rewatch? We'll find out later. on We'll talk about it later. Yeah. Huh. What, what's I don't know if it was the same one. Foster. Uh, I'll show you. Uh, I said I'm gonna fucking watch that with well, you. You can watch it one night as well. No, with gaming. Um, okay, so uh, any other news or should we get to trailers? Let's get to trailers. There's actually been a couple this week, hasn't there? Yes, yes there has. Um, Pixar are doing their thing again with Elemental. Um, it's Inside Out. Yeah. Or Soul, is. but this time they're Elements. <sighs> Just... <sighs> it's what the fuck? Like, what... what what? Why? Why are these Pixar? Why are these films just the same kind of plot? Yeah, and it, it's just a little it's bit so like, weird. It's a little bit like the person who's designing them and doing the original designs to kind of pitch to it has only got access to one fucking color palette. Mm. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it, it's like really are we, are we going for like the iridescent colors again? Yeah, yeah, it looks great. Look, because they're elements. Can we not just like a flat colour for anything anymore? <laughs> it, it, it's almost like Pixar haven't quite realised that not everything has to translate to what a toy will look like. Yeah. It's it's going to be interesting to see how that does because it, it's getting a theatrical release. Um, you know, like now uh, Bob Chapek's gone, like... I think, you know, getting theatrical releases for Pixar films seems to be the thing. But, man, oh, man, have they have they got to be careful here. Like, because, yes, okay, it's an original film, but it's kind of original in, in, in quote marks, like, looking at this trailer. Yeah. It, it, um, there is an element of, have, are you just remaking your own movie, but just replacing... It, it's... It's almost a little bit Roger Cormany. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, I'm pretty sure you two didn't see the trailer for Trolls Band Together. No, is, uh, is that another Trolls movie? Yep. Well, I think I've seen the other Trolls movies. 
You have? I'm sure I have, yeah. Did I think we might have reviewed Trolls World Tour because it came out right Trolls around World when COVID Tour. started. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I um, am very, very meh on this, but I know I'll, I'll have to take Lottie to see it. Um, I like the first Trolls. I think it, it's got imagination for days uh, in, in the visuals. Uh, Trolls World Tour was genuinely disappointing. Um, this Trolls just World kind Tour of looks was like the one where basically they pitched it uh, that rock music or metal music was evil, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you need to stop doing rock and do some generic pop instead to be happy. Yeah, it was it was offensive. Yeah. So uh, this time, Justin uh, Timberlake's um, uh, brother uh, comes into it. Um, the him and the Anna Kendrick one are getting married um, and then his brother comes into it and then is like stop the wedding because I don't know why and it turns out that they used to be part of a boy band so I think there's going to be quite a lot of boy band nostalgia in this one which is going to go great with nine year olds yeah um, so uh, there, 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 there's that uh, I think it comes out around like Thanksgiving so yeah um New Wes Anderson. I mean, I'll I'll talk about it. Like, it just it's the most Wes. It it, it feels like really derivative to say now, but it's it is the most Wes Anderson thing Wes Anderson ever Wes Andersoned. Um, and it, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I like his stuff. Uh, I'm not expecting you two to go see it. There you go. I will go and see it. Can um, I just clarify? I generally like Wes Anderson. Don't lump me in with Mark, but this made my fucking teeth itch. I, 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 what I will say about it is I like the I like the fact that it's it's very much like it, it looks like it's all going to be set in daylight. I quite like that. I think too many movies are set at night. <laughs> I, like, I like a daylight movie. How is he going to show off his pastel colour palette um, if he doesn't do it in daylight? What I will say though is this trailer barely looks like a film. Mm. It just looks like a a, a selection of. Um, what are those things called? Dioramas. Vignettes. Just, 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 just a selection of dioramas that can move constantly. It is, uh, pick this up, put that there. Pick this up, put that there. Mm. Look, at, look, look at the pretty pictures I can create. And people I, I will, sounding smart. I will agree smart. with people though. J- Jason Schwartzman looking hot. He does actually. Fair play to him. That's a fuck. That's a good look on Jason Schwartzman. The full full beard. Like, yeah, he's always looked like a man, like a man who could carry a full beard. Mm. It is working for him. Fair play. Yeah. Um, the thing is, I I will go and see it. I really like the poster. I didn't hear the trailer. <laughs> I just don't think. I just I was watching it going. Do you know what? Yeah. If, if this is what his fans want and this is what his fans love, then fucking why not? So. Well, yeah, he's, he knows his he knows his uh, strengths for sure. We obviously we'll talk about this closer to the time, but in, and if this comes out the same day in the US as the UK, this comes out on Springsteen Day, um, which is the same day as the Flash. Oof. So, like, what, what, what do we do? Because I feel like Springsteen Day is just going to be drinking, um. And especially if, like, then we get it to the uh, Villa Park and then it's going to be hell to get drinks and they're going to cost a fortune. Um, 
but then do we do something on the Saturday and try and do some recording on the Saturday? I don't know. Yeah, that's but, a, we'll, we'll definitely work that out, but we'll work something yeah, out for sure. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll pick it up because obviously my boy, my boy Paul's coming as well, yeah. and I, I, I think he would probably be up for, uh, rec- like recording. He has opinions and listens to the show. Hi, Paul. Hi, um, So, but yeah, so I'm kind of telling Paul that he's he's coming on the show. So. Um, do we have any others this week, guys? Uh, Master Gardener and uh, the new Paul oh, Schrader. Yeah. That motherfucker is in the zone at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, what's it about? It appears <laughs> like it's about a... <laughs> a gang hitman that I'm guessing is related to some kind of white nationalist party who has now left them mm. um, but gets dragged back into it to go after them again. <laughs> it's it's Schrader doing what Schrader does. Schradering. He's very much Schradering but he's kind of seems like he's in the zone and again you've got a lot of people looking at going yeah do you know what? I want to work with not only the guy who wrote uh, Taxi Driver and Raging Bull, but I also want to work with the guy who just made First Reformed uh, and the Card Counter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, it's. I, I'm very much hoping it's going to be a lean. And, and, and Schrader can do lean when he wants. Um, yeah, Card Counter was pretty sure, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, I think it was only about... About a hundred minutes. Yeah. Um, so, Master so it's one hour forty-seven on IMDb. Yep, yeah, that's about fine for that film. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hour forty-four credits. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Oh, the, the other one. Uh, last one. Um, we saw hmm. the trailer for Into the Spider Verse, didn't we? At the cinema. It's the first time I've seen it at the cinema. Seizure-inducing trailer for Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, that film looks fucking busy to the extreme and I was a little bit like watching Um, going if this is two hours of this I'm not sure I I am worried but I think there's going to be a lot of focus on the relationship between Miles and Gwen and that's what I that's what I want they need to they need to focus it on that yeah Um, I want I want those two to be happy together and I've like if they the first one, you know. yeah you haven't been through the first one have you no, really boring. no it's boring boring wow wow, wow. that's a take good stuff um, well I, do you know what I maybe watched it in the wrong frame of mind I'm, I'm gonna give it another go it's just I've not made it back to it yet so I have to restart it I'd restart we did watch when we're tired yeah uh, comes out in early June I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's um the Friday that we're in France. So yeah, that's the first Friday of June. So yeah. There's a lot of stuff coming up, Jesus Christ. Um Okay. So let's move on and uh let's talk some Dungeons and Dragons. Um do we wanna oh, do we wanna talk about that? Actually I'm gonna change my mind on that. Uh let's talk Tetris. Um, Tetris is directed by John S. 
Baird, Bard, Bard Baird, Bardy Bairdy Bood, um, and <laughs> stars Taryn Edgerton, um, oh, fucking hell, uh, Toby Jones, uh, Rick Yoon, always fun to see Rick Yoon credited as bank manager, uh, the... <laughs> Bad guy from Tomorrow Never Dies, barely looking any older, yeah. like 25 years on. I mean, or no, die, an, die Another die another Day, Die Another Day. No, yeah, Die Another Day. He's the guy who gets the diamonds in his face. Yeah, yep. so 20 years after. Uh, Roger Allen, um, uh, uh, Nikita Efremov, um, and uh, plenty of others. Sorry, that was uh, chaotic. So, um, it's just the IMDb order's really weird. Um, so, the story of how one of the world's most popular video games found its way to players around the globe. Businessman Hank Rogers and Tetris inventor Alexei Pachinov join forces in the USSR, risking it all to bring Tetris to the masses. Um, when the word came out that this was being made, it sounded like a joke. Um, but what you have here is a film called Tetris which isn't in the world of Tetris. It's about the business deals that gave Nintendo the rights to putting Tetris on the Game Boy. Yep. <laughs> which, which is thrilling sounding. Now, Bex, obviously, um, out, out of the three of us, you you are the most gamey person. Um, did you ever need to know um, how uh, the business deal behind Tetris was done? And if you did or didn't, are you now glad that you, you do know uh, how it was done? Yeah, I mean, it's it's very dry sounding material for sure. Um, but it's actually kind of like with all the Russia stuff, it's kind of like it's quite exciting <laughs> when you actually watch it. Um well, exciting is probably the wrong word. Tw- twisty, like dangerous. I, I yeah, it's it's a much more interesting story than I anticipated. I, yeah, it's when it when the when the news of it first came out, and even when the first trailer came out, it was a, it was a bit like, really, really, they've made a film about that. But yeah, it's 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 more interesting than it probably should be it's, it's more interesting as a film than it probably was in real life well yeah the 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 the, the, um, the real guys have kind of gone on and said that they read the script and kind of like suggested bits to change uh, but have also said but also were very aware of the fact that a lot of this just didn't happen you know <laughs> it is a movie and that's yeah, cool <laughs> yeah I, I think they were quoted as saying it's true to the spirit of what happened yeah <laughs> but like like saying there's a car chase in it um, that just didn't happen, but you know, okay, it's a movie. Because <laughs> that—that's it, isn't it? They've—they've they've basically gone right. Here are the bare bones of it all, and I, you know, I believe that the USSR had some dodgy shit going on, and we're exerting pressure and Mirosoft and all that kind. Of, I believe the bare bones, but the amount of bollocks that is obviously in this to make it a movie, I'm—I'm I'm not against. No, um, but it—it. It, like I, I, sorry, and I know I'm doing this in a weird order, but by the time that there was a car chase, I, I, I it like, and, and you know, the it was just like, what's the next plane out of here? Right, we're just gonna buy the tickets and immediately get on the plane. I don't, and maybe it was like that back in the eighties. I don't know, but it just like there was so much in this film that took me out of it 
because it was like every single conversation that happened i was just like that conversation did not happen do you know what's like, wild ian mm. back in the olden days you used to be able to get on a plane without having to decant all your toiletries into separate tiny bottles I, I, but i mean it's like i genuinely used to go to like spain every year and whatnot because my parents hate me um and i but i've blocked it all out i appear to have blocked out all flights that i have taken until i i i I got with donna and that was post 9 11 i genuinely cannot remember the airport or airplane experience before that time yeah so i can really i can i can it was a lot more fucking chill but you did have to get there a lot earlier than you do now like now you can literally check in online and rock up about 10 minutes before your flights you aboard can't you yeah, pretty much. Um, whereas I think back in the day, you used to have to get there at least two hours before. At least two hours before, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was weird, like like smoking in the airport. That was that smoking was smoking on a plane. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, smoking areas in the plane and stuff. Yeah, it's wild now. Mm. <laughs> the idea of it. I mean, it does, and I don't want to like scare you guys or anything because I know you're about to go on your first like abroad holiday since I've known you two um I'm pretty sure that's right yeah, yeah um like planes still have those like smoking no smoking kind of like indicators on because planes are old <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah yeah I think everyone seems to think that like planes are like two three years old and some of them are like 30 years old Weird, isn't it? It, it, yeah I mean it's I, I and don't don't get me wrong I I Touch wood, I feel safe as fuck on planes. Like, it just... It, it You know, it's just the whole... They know how much they'd have to pay out if there was ever any, like, crashes and whatnot. So they are so rare that I'm just like, okay, it's it's safer than being in a car. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I it, it just... it That took me out of it. And also, I, I said to you guys already... And I'm intrigued to see what you guys think of it. Actually, now now you've seen it, the how do you do fellow kidsness of the way that it depicts video game imagery and that one analogy about Super Mario and the piranha plant. <laughs> Just what the fuck? Yeah, it did feel a little bit. But then again, that could have just been him talking Nintendo to a Nintendo guy trying to kind of. You know, I don't know. You're, you're talking Nintendo to the head. <laughs> you're trying to convince the head of Nintendo to give you a chance by saying, like, you know, it's like Super Mario and the Piranha Plant. You know, it's I, I, I don't know. Like, I had a meeting with some, uh, like, with someone from Microsoft last week, and I wasn't going like, you know, it's like I'm the Master Chief and you're one of the Covenant, and <laughs> I don't, I, it, it, you know, it's you don't fucking do that. Um, and yeah, I just. I don't know, bullshit, bullshit. Um, any, any, I don't know. Maybe it's literally because I've been like I've been involved in a fucking sales pitch with a software company literally in the last week. That that actually, yeah. Anyway, um, Mark, what do you think of the film? It's it's a little bit too long. This movie should be under a hundred minutes. Um, it spends a little bit too much time just kind of repeating itself with the same bits, mm. which I get is what it's, it's trying to do. It's trying to prove the um, 
the, the over-heightened uh, bureaucracy and nonsense of um, the Soviet state. But, you know, and as well to highlight that particular moment, the fact that it was during the... It was as it was all collapsing. Yeah, yeah. And so everybody was just trying to do what was kind of get their way out of it. Make the last little bit of bank before it all fell yeah. apart. But there was an awful lot of the same scene just being replayed. Mm. Uh, and so it did feel a little like that. It's I like the um, the kind of almost... It, it, it never quite descends into full-blown ridiculous, but it does teeter very much it's on the edge close, of it. Mate. Yeah. yeah, it gets really, really close, but it never hits the point of where I felt like we were getting towards Funny or Die... Um, SNL never quite descends into fast. Does yeah, it? it never quite goes to fast. But I think you are you're very aware that you are watching um, a, a, a a complete Hollywoodized version of of a story. I think one of its main problems for me is the the cast all seem to think they're in slightly different films. Like, you've got Toby Jones doing, just honestly, the worst performance well, right. of his I've ever seen. Well, right, can I, can I, can I, right, can, sorry, can I just check for a second with the Toby Jones bit, it's Toby Jones specific. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's a good actor. I think he has become one of those British actors that people have decided they think he's great because he's British. And he's a character actor, so therefore, well, he must be good because he's been in all these movies. I don't think he's actually that good. A little bit like somebody like Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant's you not a good Richard actor. You e. Grant a lot. But he's not a very good actor. He's very good at being Richard E. Grant but, but But he's not a very good actor because sometimes he's Richard E. Grant in stuff where he doesn't need to be Richard E. Grant. Like Idris um, Elba. Yeah, but not that Richard Elba just sees himself as a movie star. But Toby Jones, it, on, often people will say about Toby Jones, ooh, it's not that great in this, and usually he's pretty good. But it's like, no, if you look at his entire career, is he usually that good? Or has he been really good in three or four things? Mm. Sorry. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah, probably the weakest performance I've, I've, I've ever seen. Toby Jones turning with that fucking awful accent that he was doing throughout. So he seems to think he's in like some kind of parody, as do the the British baddies. No, Robert, Robert Maxwell and Ken Maxwell are just like that. Why are we always? Why are we always cunts in stuff, British people? Like at the moment, we're we, always the dickheads. I mean, we? Robert Maxwell was a pretty special. Cunt. Yeah, he was <laughs> a pretty extreme cunt. And yeah, the thing is, that is that's probably tame for Robert Maxwell. But then, like, Taron Egerton he seems to be taking things pretty seriously, as do all the sort of sort of the Japanese side of, of the, the film. But I think what that's doing, I think what um, Baird's doing there is he's basically saying, look, these are the serious kind of business guys that are having a deal with the ridiculousness of all this lot, where they're just trying to get a deal done and they're trying to kind of be fair. Um, I thought the, the Russian side of stuff was done really quite well, to be honest. Um, uh, with the it, it, That teetered the, the line 
very well between, you know, when they're sort of going between the different rooms. <laughs> yeah. That that could have easily got really stupid, but it just keeps it on the right side of, of yeah, do you know what? I could see this being something that would happen. <laughs> yeah. That Sasha and bitch, it, she can fucking choke. To, you know, snake. What an absolute snake. And um, it, but I, I don't know, but it's interesting though, because it's like, it's not necessarily painting out like all Ru- the Russians to be bad guys because obviously like Alexei and whatnot. And it, it's, I thought it was quite an interesting, I kind of wish the film dug into it a little deeper actually. The whole, you know, communism's not great, but capitalism isn't great either. And that whole thing that you say at the end about like, is it a good thing or a bad thing? That Like the, you know, they're letting capitalism in and whatnot. And it's like, I don't know. I think, you know, that that's an interesting point but the film's not really about that so i get it um but i yeah i i thought that whole russian thing and just kind of like the whole he created it but then it um it it kind of basically becomes property of the russian state and all that i i thought that was interesting and also quite timely because it does kind of feel like russia's just going back to that yeah Yeah. uh um that i don't know that's it was like i was sounding like i was pretty down on, on 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 the film it's I, it's a good time. It's a, it's a good time. It just it, it's not. I I I don't know. It just does walk that line of almost becoming a bit funny or die, die like you say, Mark, for like a good portion of the runtime, and it like it it just. It, yeah, I, I. Is it goofy? Is it serious? It's a little bit of both, and just like the the car chase. The vi- like, and actually, like I the scene transition. The car kept turning into a, a little like eight bit car. You see, okay, stuff. I love that. <laughs> you see that I'm so, like I, I, you know, this is obviously subjective, but I thought that and all like the scene transitions where it's all eight bit and then it turns into real. It it did just feel like okay, like you've 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 seen the video game aesthetic but I don't necessarily think that you actually like Tetris, even though maybe this is coming from the fact that I play quite a bit of Tetris effects on the PlayStation because it chills me out. I like Tetris effect is really, really good if you've not played it. Um, and it, it, it's just very chill and it's got great vibes. And that thing in VR is <laughs> like, you know, cause there is like a VR mode for it. Cause it's like the, um, like the imagery around it, it's like pulsating and it kind of moves to the rhythm of the music and like um as as you're getting like higher scores and whatnot the music evolves and it's like this really weird audio visual experience but then just playing tetris it's it's honestly it's something um and you know like the whole tetris company thing i think is interesting as well like they say at the end that the two formed the tetris company and yeah, you know, they've just gone on and kind of expanded out, and they're doing all this this weird stuff. And it's like uh, his daughter Maya is an executive producer on the film, and yeah, just the way that this game captured imaginations. To be fair, I don't think the film really plays on that too much either. Like you get Hank early on saying like he could see the blocks falling like when he closes his eyes or when he sleeps or whatever but i don't think the film really captures what made tetris special other and i god that sounds so fucking stupid even those words coming out of my mouth but like it i don't think the film does a very good sell on why 
Tetris is as kind of captivating as it is. So I, I, I have problems with the film. It's kind of not. I don't think it's it's that interested in in Tetris really. Uh, no, and I, I I I no, I get it. It just when all of this is happening over Tetris, it's like it's basically the film going. You remember Tetris, yeah? You know it was it was a hit, yeah? All right, here we go. But I wouldn't expect anyone in their twenties or younger to know what the fuck. It's like why was this such a hit? Why? Why? So you say you play Tetris. What's yeah? What's the appeal? Because I've never got on with Tetris. It is satisfying as fuck. It's really hard. Yeah, it is. But that's the it's the feedback loop, like that fucking drip of um, dopamine when you like get a thought, and especially in Tetris effect, because like the visuals and the audio are so like, oh, you did a good thing there. It is. I, I, I just find it I, I find it compelling and just like finding the way of getting the four lines in a row and and kind of like setting things up so then you can do that again quickly and like it, it's um it, it, it's it's the fucking up and knowing that you've got to rectify your own fuck up later on <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just <coughs> sorry guys oh yeah I, I'm, I'm gonna put in the chat I'm just gonna put some footage of Tetris effect in <laughs> Like honestly, it's so fucking good. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I just find it really infuriating when all the blocks get to the fucking top of the screen and then you're dead. Oh, it's great. I, I, I quite enjoy Tetris, but it, it, it is it, Tetris is one of those games where I, I think I could easily um, play for five minutes. It's actually two hours. Not much of a plot, is there? I don't care. <laughs> But Terry Nicholson's very good in it. Um, I thought the Alexi guy was really good in it. I love their little bro bromance situation that was going on there. Yeah. Could have done with more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Have another scene of them going out to a bar and drinking. Do you know what? That was ace. Do you know what? I'd, I'd, I'd actually watch a sequel that is just, right, this is how we fought the Tetris Company. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'd watch that, just like a 90-minute a movie of them just in San Francisco, just him assimilating to um, to not being in Soviet Russia. Yeah, <laughs> and a fish-out-of-water yeah, story. A fish-out-of-water story yeah. about them forming the Tetris Company and then fucking Hank Rogers going off and forming his clean energy companies and shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, turning Hawaii into a sustainable state. Is that <laughs> Yeah. Right. I've sent you the link. Sorry, because listeners, it's going to be no good whatsoever. Just go to about two and a half minutes into this and just look at how kind of like intense the visuals and the music is. All right. Oh. Oh, we've got an advert for... for train journeys right now. Fuck you, LNER. Ooh, LNER will give me £5 off my next journey if I sign up to their app now pretty good off your next journey so cost about 500 pounds um so th- this is the first level of tetris effect and and sorry it's got it's, a two and a half minutes in about, about two and a half minutes in it's like it's all popping off that was the most obnoxious Nat west advert i've ever seen right and two and a half minutes in so this is what the vr looks like so this is, this is the 2D version, but then the, the VR, it's like all like the, 
blue all the shit that's coming out at you is like really coming out at you it's kind of bonkers though that that, that tetris this game that was free um uh, with like the and was synonymous with the game boy is still going now and still doing like different innovative shit it's kind of cool and then go and just last thing go to about six minutes in and then this is like then when it gets a bit more intense but then you see like the um like the uh the, the kind of the, the light in the background is kind of like pulsing with the music and the music's more intense and it's kind of matching the speed that the blocks are going down And it's just this, like, fucking mad, like, even in 2D, you just get yourself locked in. And it, it just, it's very, very compelling. But in, in VR, it is, like, like magic. Oh, yeah. I mean, whoever's playing that game just fucked up, like, three times. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, they're shit. Yeah. They've got that entire side down at one side, and they kept on just doing, like, the big sort of, like four block ones in a line and not putting it down that far side which is stressing me out yeah but yeah anyway it's yeah like you said the fact that it it turned from this guy in the 80s this guy who used basically like brackets to form the the blocks on his shitty pc with like four kilobytes of ram i think they say at one point yeah to this stuff and this is like the Tetris company is still all well in it, and they're just. And the thing is, this wasn't made, like actually made by the Tetris company. This was made by uh, a Japanese guy's name I forget, who also made this PlayStation game Res, um, uh, which is also in VR. Like they remastered it for VR, and it's just this like audio visual fucking almost too much stimulus stuff. And like it, I just love the way that they're like, fuck it, you want to do that, you do that. Anyway, I really like Tetris. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, with the film, I am. I'm definitely not shit. I think it's. I think it's, it's a good time. I enjoyed it. It's it, what it is. It's it's definitely not boring. Which it could have been. Which it could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Definitely not shit. I. I was. I, I'll be honest. I was expecting more. The dude directed Filth. Filth is great. So I, I, I yes. was expecting more, but still definitely not shit. Yeah, Filth is fucking brilliant. <laughs> is that the, what's it one? James McAvoy. James McAvoy, yeah. yeah. Filth, which Re- might just be both one of the most, like, like, reprehensible movies, but heartbreaking movies at the same fucking time. <laughs> and it ends with, like, a cartoon sequence, yeah. so Love Really Hurts Without You. Which, which just with- feels perfect. That yeah. genuinely, just lastly on, on, on filth, I know it isn't the film, but just goes, but I, one of the few movies that I actually left during it um, to go for a pee because I was hating it that much. Like, I utterly despised the first half. And then something happens as you get in towards just over the halfway point where you go, Oh, I was supposed to hate the first half. <laughs> right, I very fucking clever. 
and then the second half just makes you go, yep, the first half is perfect because of the second half. Yeah. And then at the end of it, I was literally clapping at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, people yeah, people were looking at me strange, but I was I, I I just stood up and just started clapping, just going, fucking bravo, that's fucking brilliant. I'm so glad I wasn't with you, I'd have been so embarrassed. I won't. I, I was. It, it was fucking brilliant. I'm going to rewatch that soon because what a fucking what a picture. What a picture. Um. So, let's get this out of the way for Becky's sake. Murder mystery two, um, <laughs> directed by Jeremy Garlic and written by Zodiac screenwriter James Vanderbilt. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. James Vanderbilt's he, he, a weird character. It's it's like he. Like he went to the crossroads and they went, right, you can have one really good movie and then the rest. But it's mad. It's like he's one of the creative forces behind the new Scream films as well. Like he co-wrote both of them and I I think he produced and like a really big thing on them. But Murder Mystery is also one of his franchises. Yeah. uh, stars Adam Sandler, Jennifer Aniston, Mark Strong, uh, John Carney, Melanie Leron, Jodie Turner-Smith, uh, Adil Akhtar, um, uh, you know, and um, also uh, the helicopter pilot played by a man called Carlos Ponce. Yeah. Um, and, and, so. and a a cameo that happens where you go, was everybody else busy? Gillian Bell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, so full time detectives Nick and Audrey are struggling to get their private eye agency off the ground they find themselves at the centre of international abduction when their friend the Maharaja is kidnapped at his own lavish wedding Um, (laughs) murder mystery 2 so murder mystery was a very very pleasant surprise a few years back I've watched it I've watched it twice both times on holiday felt appropriate (laughs) And uh, Fair, yeah, yeah Mur- Murder Mystery Two Friday night after Dungeons and Dragons came home, put this on ninety minutes in and out. Becky, why did you watch it <laughs> for this podcast? But you watch. don't have to watch everything now. I didn't tell you, you didn't have to. Well, do you know what? Because because the first one was kind of a bit of a pleasant surprise. This okay was everything I feared that the first one would be. Which I can, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I was thinking after I'd watched it, you know, you know how I enjoy likening movies to food and yes. meals and stuff. Yeah, this this movie's <laughs> chewing gum. I nearly spat out my beer on exactly. my MacBook there, Becky. It, well done. It, oh it, fuck! It tricks you, right? With a promise of because of, of the flavour, it tricks you with a promise of food, but then leaves you ultimately hungry and disappointed. <laughs> That is, that is a really savage takedown yeah. of this movie. Chewing gum. So, and it leaves a Mark, I feel in your brain. Mark, I feel I feel like you'll be kinder to it. I am kinder to it. Um, it it very much knows what it is. Um, I get the feeling uh, that it was right. We're going to do a murder mystery too. Uh, because it it was a it was a hit for Netflix. Um, it, it has probably consistently done well for Netflix. It's probably been in like their top ten most watched movies since it landed on there. Uh, but they've gone 
But also, add, we are cutting back a little bit the Sandman. So, you can't have all of the people you normally have in things. Mm-hmm. So, it, it did feel a little bit like that. Um, I thoroughly believe that the, the, um, the Gillian Bell cameo, I think that was supposed to be Courtney Cox, but she was busy doing Scream or something like that. Because it just it felt like you were supposed to know who not the person that was there, but the actress that was there, and it's like, huh. It it did make me laugh because Donna was just like, "Is that Britney runs a marathon?" Because every time she pops up, she just calls her Britney runs a marathon, yeah, which is fine. Which which is probably yeah. That's and it it just it makes me laugh every time. I love I love my wife, and that just that's one of her funniest bits. Yep. Um. Ooh. And I don't think she knows it's a bit, but it's a bit. <laughs> but yeah, but um, Jennifer Aniston's doing a lot of the heavy lifting with regards to the comedy. I think it's easy for people to forget that Jennifer Aniston is a great comedian. Because she's so hot. Um, well, the, the movie definitely wants you to know Oh, the that. movie, yeah. Whoever wrote this movie has got a hell of a thing for Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Um, I, thought I mean, it, who could blame? Yeah, I thought it yeah, down that, that Mark Strong literally... When his agent rings him and says, Mark, got on his goes, how much is it paying? He was easily the best thing in this, though. But he turns up, says, like, he is minimal effort, oh, maximum yeah. paycheck. Yeah, but he's got that face. He's got a real serious face that he's got. Yeah. It's menacing. I just, I, I don't know. It, it feels like Mark Strong could be doing better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> In a, he, he, yeah, he, he, you know, to be fair, I mean, like, he was in Tar last year. So, you know, he's... Know, poor guy. What a bad run, eh? Oh, fuck off. Um, sorry. <laughs> like Tar. <laughs> no, I don't think I did. No. No. I don't. It's shit. But, I mean, it, it's, um... I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's interesting. The whole kind of, like, this is the, the film I feared the first would be thing. Kind of. I, the, the thing is, with Sandler... I'm always like a little bit worried. Well, I have been, but maybe less so these days. I'm kind of worried if it's just going to be fucking juvenile and just like basically made for 10 year olds, whether it's going to be grown ups. I think that's what I always have in my head. Yeah. And I don't think Murder Mystery 2 is even like that. But the film itself, like the construction of the. Sounds stupid. The construction of the story around it feels lower energy than the first one like the first one there's quite a few like twists and the, the the extended cast of characters are developed more but here you've basically got a minute of this what this person's thing is dot 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 and then on to the next one and i mean I, it, it does well to focus on sander and aniston because i genuinely think they're really good together um but just the mystery itself isn't as interesting because no. it's you know you've got the kind of like the wrong footing with Jodie Jody Turner Smith but then like two minutes later she's dead and then you are just waiting for it to be real that Mark Strong was alive all along yeah you, you, you just you know that and it would have been funnier if it was just like he's a badass and then he gets exploded yeah or something it, it, like, it would have been the, the, the ending was a little bit like I mean, we literally saw that coming the minute he arrived. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it, it was. Um, I, 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 I had a decent enough 
time with it. But the first one, I could genuinely see me watching again. I don't think I'll be sitting through Murder Mystery 2 again. But I, it was fine. Yeah, I think I'm the same with that. I will watch the first one again because it's an awful lot of fun. This one is fun enough. Like, again, if this was like the first one, well, like if, if, if the first one didn't exist and this one was the first one that came out, I think I would still be there going, do you know what? That's better than it probably should be. And it still is better than it probably should be, but it's not as good as the one that came before it, which kind of felt a little bit more breezy and zany. Yeah, fun. It, was char- it had more charm. This had no charm. It had a lot less charm. It had no charm. I was really glad that I watched this at work so I had something else to do. So I'm guessing you're, you're more down the shit thing than definitely not shit. I mean, it's not full-on shit. That would be a bit harsh. It's, it's just such a non-entity. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. It, it, it kind of happens. Yeah. So I don't really know how to rate it. Shit would be, like, if it had offended me. Yeah. I'd give it a shit rating. It's such a so I guess so, yeah. 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 I'm definitely not shit because I just don't think it's shit. I just, I, don't, I think it's harmless enough and it is 90 minutes. <laughs> hey, look, yeah, mild, definitely not shit. And I, I, I just felt bad for Melanie Laurent just watching her in it. Yeah. A little bit, to be honest. Go from like, but, what What was it? Which Tarantino was it she was in? Bastards. Bastards, yeah. To this shit. And it, and it's, I don't know, like she, she directs her own films and whatnot in, in, in France. And I, I it feels like, hey, look, if this is a paycheck so she can self-finance something that she wants to de- develop or something, then great. Um, but uh, Melanie Laurent and Adil Akhtar... Like, those characters in this film, it's just the fact that she's obviously a suspect because that is a marriage that just should not be happening. Those characters. I, I don't... It would have been good if you actually saw a scene where they were having fun together. Or something. Yeah. Because you don't. No, it, it, it's, it does seem like she's a bad guy. Yeah, and it, it just... It's too like obvious that she's a bad guy so she's obviously not the one but then it's like well this relationship's never going to work I, I think I think she's in it because she's friends with Jennifer Aniston <laughs> sure yeah yeah and which, I, which let's face it Sandler has made a career out of just casting all his mates and, and, yeah and hey look I mean Sandler, I, re- I like respect the hustle I, I, they went I'm sure they went to some very nice places to film this yep you know, and and that's that's great, and he it obviously works with Netflix because they re-upped his contract. But he also did Hustle last year, you know. So he does he's doing the new Safdie Brothers film, which apparently is set in the world of sports memorabilia, um, which sounds exactly what Sandler should be doing. So you know, he's got a career which is working well. Kind of do wish that he'd get on the big screen at some point, but he likes working with Netflix. That's it. He, he just he he's you know Netflix offer him a boatload of money, um, and he's been Netflix's boy for you know a long long time. You know, yeah. And the thing is, I think it's quite clever what what Sandler did in the sense of it. His movies were he went through a bad run where he made some bad movies, and even he admits I made just. 
even so, I made shit Adam Sandler movies, and people were no longer. I was no longer, you know, guaranteed a hit every movie I made. Um, and so he went down the Netflix route of being, well, if I'm not going to be the big fucking guy at the box office, I can be the biggest guy in streaming. I just wish he'd go away for a bit. But Hustle was great. He can make us. He can make more hustles any yeah, fucking time it, he the wants. The thing is, he. He chucks out things like a murder mystery and a, a Sandy Wexler and bits like this. But as part of his Netflix contract, he's also got like like Hustle made, and he got he brought Uncle Gems to Netflix, and he brought Hubie Halloween. He got it's Hubie Halloween's actually decent. Yeah, it's actually um, Hubie Halloween's good. And yeah. he got um, one of the No Boundback movies, the Meyerwitz stories. Meyerwitz stories. Yeah, yeah. He got that made. You know, and essentially brought. Bound back to Netflix, so he has done bits as well. Yeah, I like Adam Sandler, even though his statement when he first signed the Netflix deal was saying, I wanted to work with Netflix because it sounds like wet chicks. Um, that's <laughs> I I I such a push pull with, I mean, it's so fucking stupid. The thing is, it, you. You never hear like a fucking a horrible story about him. No, no, people, yeah, people like him. Yeah, people, you know, people in the industry like him. Um, he's very much kind of like he has kind of like talked about the fact that some of his jokes now would he make them now? And he's like, well, no. What he should be asking is, should I have made them at the time? And the answer there would probably still be no. But there you go. I did, and if I did it, and he's quite kind of like looks back at stuff and goes, "Well, I've actually learned from these things." So. Yeah, but then I feel like I feel like even recently, Hubie Halloween is not a sensitive portrayal of somebody with developmental issues. No, it wasn't. You know, and that's not that's not like it's a historic film. No, it wasn't. But I think it's it it, it, it also. But I don't think Hubie Halloween is saying, "Look, this is what it's like for somebody with developmental issues." It's just look. I'm Adam Sandler. Did he have developmental issues in that? I I a genuine question. I, I think it's just it just seems like he does because it's the Adam Sandler man child thing. Mm. Okay. Um, okay. CS3P Combat. Player one, choose your character. Tired of film and television podcasts where the hosts exist in a blissful state of agreement? Player two, choose your character. While you're in luck. Panto. Round one, fight. Allow me to introduce you to the Chinstroker vs. Panto podcast, featuring two film and television fans from Birmingham, England, who enjoy their media in very different ways. But anyway, that brings us to the end of the plot of Blue Velvet. The plot. I mean, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. So join us as we catch up on what we've been watching from our own very different perspectives. Double KO. Round two. Fight. You can find us at csvsp.libson.com. Also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places that podcasts can be found. Just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I just just getting confirmation. It's just in English. That's the third time though. I mean, am I, is this on? Uh, Okie dokie. Should we do some, what we've been watching? Uh, 
Bex, you want to kick us off? Um, what have I been watching? You've been playing a lot of Last of Us 2, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. You can come well, how's now. that going? Um, yeah, so I... Where am I up to? Um, so I'm still in Salt Lake. But I think I'm in... I, I had to switch it off the other night because... Right, okay. So we were having this discussion, weren't we? My one of my main issues with the Last of Us Two, and I think the reason why I struggle with it, and I've struggled with it when I've tried before, is the areas are very, very big. So you've got a lot of samey shit between plot points. So that's a great point. Yeah. So like, I'm I'm at a bit at the moment where um, she's left Dina in the theater and she's going to try and find Tommy. Yeah. And so I'm I'm working my way through so basically I've got it it's a point A to point B with a fight at the end is is what it what it kind of should be with maybe a few bad guys along the way. But it's so you're going from the city the city to like a suburb to find Tommy. Now it cuts out the entire journey from the city bit to the suburb, but you just it, there's a cut and you're there. So really it should be very short but it's it's like it's split up into mini areas with a set number of bad guys within that mini area and then you jump over like a wall or a fence or some shit and then you're in another mini area with new bad guys and uh, new space to explore but either more flow between those areas or less of those fucking mini areas would make it so much better i've been Honestly, I mean, you know what I'm like when I game. I'm, I'm a completionist, so I have to I have to explore all the space. Otherwise, I feel like, what if I've missed something really fucking important and I can't move on? So there's like, what, say, eight houses or five shops per mini area, and there's loads of bad guys, and now there's dogs in there as well. Um, and, but... It, it's the same thing and it's been like hours hasn't it you were you were playing your game weren't you on your on your yeah. mac while i was sat playing this and it's just you looked up at one point and went are you still at this bit i have only seen you playing in that bit and i've watched i've been witness to it quite a bit yeah so it 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 it, it, it the, the story hasn't advanced in fucking hours the only thing that's changed is I have to shoot dogs now. So, mm. I, it, I'm, I'm liking it, but it's very bloated. Um, and I think you messaged about Resident Evil 4 the other day and I was playing Last of Us at the time and I was like, do you know what, yeah, maybe they are a bit like crack. But anyway, that's, that's <laughs> a different thread. But at that point, I was playing the bit that I alluded to when we were talking about it before, where Joel takes her to a museum, and it's like a flashback. Mm. And it's it's just so lovely and compact and tight. And all you're doing is wandering around a museum and walking up to various placards, you know, like they've got on museum displays, and she's reading them out, and putting this hat that she's found in the gift shop on top of like dinosaurs and stuff like that and it's but it's just so lovely because the characters feel lived in and and obviously they are because you've lived in them throughout the whole of the first game so you know them better but like the ellie in this game 
I don't know whether it's because it's such a big jump between the Ellie that you played before and obviously it's like five years or something, isn't it? Uh, yes. But it doesn't feel like the same person. Um, and they've not really done enough to make you get to know any of the new people. Joel's gone. And I, I just feel a bit like, well, you know what? I'm enjoying the game and I like stealth killing things, but I don't really care about anybody that much right now. It's interesting, isn't it? Because Last of Us 1 is such a kind of like a linear we're going to tell a story mm. like you're going to it's basically going to be have a bit of story have a bit of traversal have a combat encounter repeat yeah and I'm I'm, I'm not as far into part two as you are or I haven't made it as far into part two as you have but that point about the open world so I um you know I got to Seattle with Ellie and Dina, Is it and Seattle then like you're marking off those bits on the map. Yeah, riding around on the horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that real fucking confusing. <laughs> yeah, go on. And it's like yeah, and I I am just a bit. I. It is just a bit much. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 funny. It's like I'll talk about Resident Evil Four in a bit, but with the the lake in Resident Evil Four, um, and I I think the lake's in like the old version, but there's just like a few things to do, and I'm just a bit like just just tell me what happens next. Mm. Like I just want a focused story, um, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, I I get it. Is what I'm trying to say, but apparently. There's not that much of that in part two. Right. So I think maybe it will focus down and be a bit more narrative focused the more you get into it. Maybe, at, at least from what I remember reading. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, the bit that I'm playing now, it's not like... There's a lot of, you know... you. It's more open world than the first one. But, like, you know that bit in in the first one where you're travelling with Sam and Fuck. Henry? Yes. And you go in there's there's that bit where you're going do through all the houses and then the road bends round and you can either go round the road or you can go through the houses and just drop down. Yeah. It's yeah. a bit like that bit. So there's a lot to explore housewise if you want to. I mean that that's the other thing. I'm fucking kitted out with everything. I've I've got too many bullets because I can't carry any more, and then all the all the stuff for making stuff. I've got all of that in stock in my rucksack as well, so I can't actually collect anything apart from like you know when she finds letters and things like that. But mm. I still can't not explore it because it, it, what if you miss one of those letters and it's important? But anyway, yeah. So it's it's like that bit. So it, it, there's a, there's a there's a line you have to follow. It's just it's it's over and over again. I don't like the fact that I now have to shoot dogs either. I need to find a better way to deal with the dogs. I uh, yeah, I uh, need games to chill out on the needing to kill animals. It's the fucking noise they make when you shoot them that I can't cope yeah. with. And I'm not just not just dogs. I accidentally set a cow on fire in Resident Evil Four, and oh. I felt awful about it. I think you have to set the cow on fire, though, don't you? I mean, I managed to get through that area. I think Unless there's a bit later on where I have to intentionally set a cow on fire. 
Because doesn't it... In the start, like towards the start, yeah? I, I was watching a review of it. Oh, it might just be that you can set the cow on fire and then it kills loads of other things for you. Yeah, I just, I accidentally did it and I felt really bad. <laughs> uh, just leave the animals alone, computer game. No, you're right. It did kill a few of the villagers. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, I, not as good as the first one currently for me. I don't really care about any of the other characters. Or even really Ellie, because it's like, hashtag not my Ellie. She's just like a completely different person. Which, you know, mm. after five years, you're allowed to change. But it doesn't feel like a development of the character in the first game. It doesn't feel like a like a logical progression. Oh, and I have a guitar now. You don't take on me? I don't know. I, I, when, she, when she first picked up the guitar in the theatre, I was a bit like... Yeah, all right. Yeah, play, 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 play. And then it led into the flashback with Joel, so I can't remember what song it was. Yeah, it's not that. It's a bit where she finds it in a store and then plays Take On Me to Dina. Oh, okay. Dina's all right. Uh, yeah, like, Dina's fine. Like oh, she gets in the fucking way. Yeah, I did call her a burden. I'll let, I, did, do you know why Dina's a burden? How much of the story do you know? Uh, don't think that much. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I called her a burden and then left her in the theatre. <laughs> nice. Uh, Ooh, but she, she gets in the way, though. All Could the time. You, sorry, two ticks. Could you grab me two of these and I'll put 50p in your account, please? Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> well, are you, do you think you're going to make it through the whole thing? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll play it through. I don't... It's like walking out of a film before it's finished. It's I've, I've wasted all the time I've put into it up to now if I don't finish it. And I'm not hating it, it's just... Not as good as the first one. It's just not as good as the first one. I just wish it'd fucking get on with it. And I don't like killing yeah. dogs. That's my current hot take. But I'll, I'll, I'll say more next week, I guess. Once, once I've, well, I've probably finished it by then. Yeah, you probably... Oh, God, he probably will have. Mm. There's, is he's not about? Mark's working nights? What else are you going to do? Exactly. Exactly. Eat enchiladas and play The Last of Us Part 2. <laughs> Hell yeah. Mark won't eat enchiladas, so if he's ever not here, I have to eat them. I have to take the opportunity. What's wrong with enchiladas, Mark? Just don't know why I have enchiladas when I can have fajitas. Because they're better. There's more they're cheese Because they're better. They're not. Um, Donna then, doesn't like enchiladas either, and um, yeah, I I like enchiladas. Yeah, they're good. Tell you what, Bex, when we're all out at like a Mexican sometime, we'll have enchiladas. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> um, and then the only other thing that I watched was the Black Phone. Um, second watch? Yeah, yeah, second watch. Yeah, it's just landed on Sky, hasn't it? So mm-hmm. um, I noticed, well, I went on to watch... Something. Oh, I was, I was. I sort of started Succession, and in the continue watching bit, the black phone was was on there. I was like, Isabel, have you started watching the black phone? And she was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it reminded me that it existed. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's a fucking banger. Is the black phone? I very much like it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's so 
it's it's just so well made it's so clever how it deals with like the ghost kids and stuff like that and it's just remind me wasn't written by joe hill was it yeah yeah oh it was yeah oh is it a short story that was then adapted I believe so yeah um right okay um Short story of the same name, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might have to get into uh, to Joe Hill. Because obviously Stevie's getting real old, isn't he? Yes, he is. Oh, it's, just, it's a shame. If it wasn't for all the child kidnapping and whatnot, I reckon Donald would like that. Like, it, 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 like 10 years ago, Donna would, would have been into the black phone. And that, that's not a criticism. It, you know, it's just like the taste change. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just such a good film, like, and I think it, it it seemed to just kind of come and go, and no one seemed to really talk about it that much. But it's it's just so fucking clever how they've dealt with the ghosts and things like that. So yeah. What like the way the way they shoot, like the way they kind of visualize it. Yeah, yeah, just mm. just the way. Obviously, you've got the phone call, but then the camera will pan and they'll be in the background and they'll, but it'll be focused on him. But you'll be able to see the movement from the face of the ghost that they're they're they're, they're talking, like their mouths moving, but he's hearing it through the phone and or they'll be like acting stuff out. And the bit where um, his mate is doing like the the actions with him in the background. The, the bit from the trailer, basically. Yeah. Like the throwing, the th- is it throwing? It's, he's, or... he's teaching him how to hit him with the phone. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I knew there was some sort yeah. of arm movement, yeah. It's just so good. And then, like, every... You know, yeah, it's very God in the machine, but every bit of, like, information that he's got off the telephone call helps him in the end with his final escape. Yeah. And it's, I, just, I just think it's really fucking good. I think it, it's underrated. Mm. It did well though. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I just feel like like it's... quietly made a couple hundred million worldwide. I think. Oh, that's good. I just wish critically it had, it had made a bit more of a splash. I feel like if it came out this year, it would it would have hit more. It kind of feels like last year there was still just a little bit of. I, I like people not necessarily going to the cinema all the time, and like the 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 the, the releases are staggered, and it just didn't seem like it was in as much of the conversation. I feel like if it came out this year, like The Pope's Exorcist, I expect that to be one of the most critically well received films of the year when it comes out next week. <laughs> oh, um, at least on Film Bastards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's me. That's really all I've been doing my time. Okay, um, Mark, what fucking Paulie Shaw shit have you watched this week? I, do you know what? Oh, wait, no, yeah, yeah all right. Um, so, I rewatched uh, Friends with Benefits, the uh, 2011 sort of rom-com directed by Will Gluck uh, off the back of uh, Easy Air, so he was, you know... Hot shit. Hot shit. Hot shit, point. yeah. Yeah, um, and he had JT in there and Mila Kunis and then, you know... You had uh, Richard Jenkins, Woody Harrelson playing a um, a gay sports reporter, um, but being just ridiculously entertaining with it is is good fun. Mm. And it was 
I mean, it's a rom-com that basically signposts everything that's going to happen with it, but I think rom-coms can get away with that. And it's it's really quite fun and it's quite charming and Myla Kunis is a large part of that because she's fun and she's charming to spend time with. Um, and yeah, I had, a, I had a, a good time re-watching it. But also that came out the same year where was No Strings Attacks, the Ivan Reitman uh, movie, which was basically about the same thing. Um, yeah. And it starred Natalie Portman uh, and Ashton Kutcher. And I, I'm usually a uh, an Ashton Kutcher fan. I, I, I'm, I'm the, the one Ashton Kutcher fan uh, out there. But the reason the reason this one doesn't work. What? How did you describe Malakuni? Charming and fun. Yeah. And engaging. Flip that exactly one eighty. Charming and fun. You've got Natalie Portman. Yeah. Charmless and fucking annoying. And, and, and that genuinely is, is, is the genuine issue with this movie is it's not fun. It's not charming. It's none of those things. And the problem is, it's the, the weird thing here is this is some of the cast from this movie. So you've got, take away Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman, you've also got Kevin Klein, uh, Carrie Elwes, Greta Gerwig's in there, Late Bell, Oliver uh, Thilby, Ludicrous, Jake Johnson, um, Ophelia Loverbond. All these people are actually quite charming and quite... Yeah, that's a good supporting cast. And they're, they're quite engaging to watch. The problem is, the story is actually all about Natalie Portman. And... She's she, like a charm black hole. She's just absorbed everyone else. She just has disappear. this constant hue of, I am so above <laughs> this. Yeah. Yeah, she does. And she it, has that in everything she's in. But, but honestly, with this, it, it was powerful. You watch it going, she, it, it seems like, like, every time Raymond went cut, she would literally like, like, just sort of like, brush everything off and just wander off because she didn't want to be around any of these people. Mm. And it's just, it, it's so, it's energyless, this movie. You're watching it going, I don't know why they would be even friends. Never mind friends that have benefits. <laughs> they don't seem like they like each other. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's not very good. Again, back to the Natalie Portman thing. She doesn't really seem like she likes anybody in anything she's in. I think she's trying to kind of reinvent herself now a little bit. What about getting hench for and, and seeming less cold? She doesn't though. Hang she's on. Failing at Sorry. It. What 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 does getting hench mean? Getting all muscly. Right. Oh, is she? Oh, because of fucking love and thunder. Yeah. yeah right. She's got she's got big arms in it, hasn't she? Hench. And everyone everyone got okay. real excited for a minute there. But she's she's failing at it because she still comes across really quite cold and distant and. Yeah, it's it's not very good. No string attacks, but Friends of Benefits still still stands up uh, as a, a fun movie. Um, all right, I've got two more. <laughs> so I've rewatched um, as good as it gets, um, mm, mm. which was like a big hit in nineteen ninety seven, um, and it was nominated for a bunch of awards, including Best Picture, uh, I believe Best Director, and it, it won. Uh, Academy Awards for um, Jack Nicholson for Best Actor and Helen Hunt for Best Actress. Um, the thing is, and I, I kind of, as I was watching it, bits um, from the trailer where I was going, oh, I remember this trailer because it was, it was on 
basically the trailer for this is on every VHS you could rent. Um, so you were almost forced to watch the trailer. So bits mm. of it like live in my mind. And so lines like um, a receptionist at the publishing house for which um, Jack Nicholson's character works for saying, how do you write um, such great women? And his response is, I take a man and I remove logic and reason. Oh, God. And that is a genuine line in the movie. And the thing is, you're supposed to think this guy's an arsehole, but you're also supposed to root for him as well at the same time. What does he say? Is it positioned... I've never seen as good as it gets. Is it positioned as he's saying the things we're all thinking? Or is it he's no, an arsehole, but he's like, no, it, okay. It, it, it very much lays him out as, as he's a prick. Um, yeah, all right. But like the um, like, so do, do you know do you know the story of it briefly though? Of as good as it gets, he's a dickhead who has a dog. He's and... he, essentially he has um, OCD and a few other uh, mental ailments, um, and he ends up like. His neighbour is Greg Kinnear, who is a gay painter um, who is involved in like a, a, a robbery and he has to look after his dog and all this stuff. But within the first five minutes of the movie, Jack Nicholson's character has had two homophobic rants where he is just outright, you know, ridiculously homophobic and an anti-Semitic rant. And he's thrown a dog down a trash chute in the apartment block that he lives in. What? Yeah, that's the first five minutes of this um, rom-com. <laughs> and it, it, it never kind of stops being like that throughout the entirety of the film. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't really get that much better. It's just, like, it, it's... I don't know, it's such a confusing movie in the sense that Jack Nicholson is very, very good and you can see why he won the the, the, the Academy Award for it. Um, but also as well, you watch it going, this movie, it's not that it's aged badly, it's just that this movie simply wouldn't exist now. <laughs> hmm. Because the script would come forward and every studio would go, do you know what? That script is fucking great. It's brilliant. No, it's not worth the hassle. <laughs> and that, that, that's basically what it is. It's not worth the hassle. Like, there's a bit where Greg Kinnear's character essentially gets evicted from the building whilst um, he's away on, like, a weekend trip with, uh, with Jack Nicholson that Jack Nicholson has basically gone on just so he can take Helen Hunt on this weekend trip. Um, and um, Jack Nicholson basically breaks the news by saying, well, congratulations, fairy, you're homeless now. Um, and so Greg Kinnear's going to me going, right, damn, where am I going to live? He's like, oh, it's um, your fruity agent who's played by Cooper Goonan Jr. has sorted it out for you. And it turns out that he hasn't sorted it out, that... Um, Jack Nicholson basically just told them to move all his stuff into his apartment and he can stay there. Um, um, and and like Greg Kinnear doesn't know this. And then when he gets there, he's sort of saying to him, you know, 
why you're doing this. He's like, look, just let's not make a big deal out of this. Um, and he's like, you know, it, I think Cricketer's character says something along the lines of, um, I love you and this is one of the nicest things anyone's ever done for me. And Janice's character's like, buddy, I'd be the luckiest man alive if that did it for me. <laughs> and it's just like, it's almost like he's an arsehole, but he's not an arsehole. Hmm. But he is still an arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> it's an odd film that I'm glad exists, reminds you of how fucking good. And there's another film that I, I'll get to in a second that reminds you of how fucking good Jack Nicholson was. And it's a shame, and I get it, reasons why he doesn't make movies anymore. But... <laughs> Like, I don't think he's enough of, he's made of the fact that Jack Nicholson is just out there and retired. Or is he just retired? Yeah, he's retired. He hasn't made a movie for uh, over 10 years. He's not, like, unwell or anything? Um, no. He still, like, crops up at parties and stuff like that. Just doesn't want to make movies anymore. He's done that. Not need to. Made his mark. Fair enough. It's... it's- and it's interesting, isn't it? Because he never really forged a relationship with a specific director where it's like, okay, if that director's making a film, maybe Nicholson will do it. Because, you, you know, we were talking earlier on about Scorsese and, like, De Niro and DiCaprio, like, coming back for him. Nicholson only worked with him once. Yeah. You know, so it, 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 there, there's, there's none of that particular pull either. So, uh, so what? The, his last role was. How do you know? Uh, yeah. What a fucking film to go out on, d- directed by James L. Brooks. Yeah, um, I mean, that's probably as close as the James L. Brooks. But the thing is, he was. Oh yeah, because he had broadcast news and, as well, didn't he? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Know, he, yeah. he he made a couple of movies in the nineties with Sean Penn, Crossing Guard and the Pledge. He, he tends to like work with the director. We work a couple of times, and they never work with him again. interesting yeah so speaking of uh, working with Mike Scorsese I watched The Departed so did I what did you make of it on a rewatch because I have a thing with The Departed in the sense that you know there's there's a case where if you were talking with somebody that you didn't really know that well about movies and they mentioned The Departed and they said something you'd want to punch them on the nose to shut them up I don't know where I'd go that far. Um, my 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 takeaway from the Departed on on this watch is Jack Nicholson is in a different film from everybody else. Oh yeah, and he's uh, he's absolutely <laughs> supposed to be because he's supposed to be this completely larger than life, larger than yeah. life, just random yeah. fucking character. Like the fact that that him and Scorsese discussed things that he was going to say that are in the script or was going to do that aren't in the script just to see what reactions they'd get out of Matt Damon and um, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, yeah, because the dildo thing, he just brought a dildo to set and was just like, I'm going to try something. And told Scorsese, Scorsese was like, (laughs) yeah. And then Jackson was like, should we tell Matt? And he's like, no, no, we are not telling him at all. I mean, I, I just, the, maybe the funniest thing in any Scorsese film is Matt Damon sitting in the cinema 
and the guy, like Jack Nicholson, just like breathing heavily and then turning around with a dildo down by his crotch with that look on his face <laughs> and that hat on. It is just maybe one of the great cinematic images. It's brilliant. Um, <laughs> it just, it's so, like that, you know, that random bit where there's opera music playing and like he's like throwing coke around is like snort enough until you go numb and it's like what was that about um it's uh, he he is having the time of his life yeah everybody else I and mean, him and mark Wahlberg oh, are having the time of their lives Wahlberg just fucking i mean Wahlberg was nominated for best supporting actor in this wasn't he yeah, no, he was. It's just like, I'm the guy who does his job. You must the be the guy. other guy. Yeah. One of the great insults. <laughs> yeah. But even Baldwin in that, um, just before that, when Matt Damon comes in, he's like, I'm really sorry. I'm going to go, you know, for bringing late on. Um, oh, I'm tense. I'm, I'm going to go for a cigarette. Do you want to come for a cigarette? I bet you don't want to come for a cigarette. I bet you're one of those health kit guys. I fucking hate you. Bye. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> it's just, it, you look at going... Is it's our fucking is Alec Baldwin and Jack Nicholson both just essentially like fucking cocaine the two sides of movie? <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely. I it's 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 not one of Scorsese's best, and you know it, it's been said many times. But the fact that this was the one that he won like best director for is okay. It it was kind of like a makeup thing, and that's. Yeah, I I think that's fine. Punch on the nose. It's not. Sorry, that's the punch on the nose moment. Yeah, no, I I think there is. Just because Scorsese had made better movies, which are a handful of them, are some of the best movies of all time. For some reason, it seems to be you can downgrade The Departed because because Mean Streets, Raging Bull, and fucking Taxi Driver exists. (laughs) <laughs> okay, look, let's let, let's just do this a sec then. Like, what else was nominated that year? Um, let's have a look. So, Best Picture was also Barbell, Letters from Iwo Jima, Little Miss Sunshine, and The Queen. Yeah, okay, so you, you give The Departed Best Picture. Yeah. What, about, what was director? Uh... In a read to Clint Eastwood, Stephen Fryers, and Paul Greengrass. Okay, so to be fair, I would give it to Paul Greengrass. But out out of those, but it is not an egregious win. It's not a what the fuck was that? It's not extremely loud and incredibly close getting nominated for Best Picture <laughs> because it's Stephen Frears. Yeah, that was or, or Stephen Doldry, uh, either or. Like the the Departed is a fucking solid film. I don't think it's a five out of five banger, um, but it's really, really solid. It is lived in, and it's just full of like Catholic guilt. Yeah. Um. All all over the shop, but it's also super super entertaining. Um and yeah, it, it the 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 time flies by. That first opening um, twenty minutes where it's establishing everything, 
and Scorsese is just having so much fucking fun with needle drops. Um, and having Jack Nicholson um, constantly appearing like in the shadows and then all of a sudden you get a big fucking reveal of him. And then it, yeah, I mean, it just fucking hard cuts to fucking uh, coming out of Boston by Dropkick Murphys. The needle drops are mad as well because yeah. it will be, they'll start a song then that song will stop and there'll be some dialogue. Then another song will come in. Then that will stop. And then the first song will kick back in. Yeah. Or something. Like, it, it, it's... But it, it... It's got this just manic, I haven't slept in five days energy about it. Yeah. That it, it absolutely... The editing of the film is just getting into that zone. Oh, I mean, it, it's all it, purposeful. It, it's, it's one of... Is one of cinema's most underappreciated artists, without question. No, I, 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 absolutely. Uh, my my one complaint is I would have liked maybe a bit more Vera Farmiga and Leonardo DiCaprio because that even even though even though even though my whole read on that is Matt Damon's not getting it up. She's like. Um, attracted to DiCaprio and like your, your vulnerability is really freaking me out right now I think is the line yeah. and it's just it's not necessarily going to be a great love of their lifetimes but they're just it yeah they're into each other in that moment I think you know I, I think that's that's okay I just maybe another scene or two with them w- w- would have been good but yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's it, it's a cracking time. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's I, I, it's a fucking yeah. It, the thing is, when The Departed is like not probably even in your top five films of all of all time <laughs> as a filmmaker, mm. that is fucking staggering. <laughs> it's just it is fucking bonkers. Um, but yeah, it's I, I I really do enjoy watching it, and it's just it. It's two and a half hours long and it bangs by like a motherfucker. Yeah. I don't remember this film at all, really. I think I get muddled up between this one and... What was the Tom Hanks one that's gangstery? Road to Perdition. Yeah, I get muddled up between those two because I think they came out quite close together. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and I get muddled up as to which one's which. Yeah, Departed, it, it, it's, it's, it's very good and it's very much Scorsese doing his thing and um, I, I think I remember reading, I, I reading something or listening to a podcast uh, with William um, Monaghan Monaghan um, who yeah. wrote it after he'd sort of did the script of landing with Scorsese cause it bounced around a few people I think Spielberg was going to direct it at one point um, when he got Scorsese's copy of the script back um, he said it's bonkers because Scorsese just makes notes like a motherfucker he said, and it just had like all these things written on it um, he said and I'm reading through it going what there's like there's like X's and there's pictures over it and then just like there'll be like there'll be like a song bit and it'll just say remind me Karen and then it'll just say it'll be like a song thing and it's because he's like his assistant's name was like Karen at the time and so it, it, it like a song name people look at it going it's Karen Scorsese's Diane yeah literally like that <laughs> and it's like it, it's a, you'd be looking at it going what 
why is there why does it keep saying this same song instead of then when you actually sit down and watch the movie you go oh holy shit all of this makes sense <laughs> mm. and it's apparently it was the same when they were writing um, Goodfellas they'd be writing it and it, cause they were, they, uh, when they wrote it they wrote them like at two sides of a table he, he, like Scott says he'd be going, he'd be going yes we're going to say ooh quickly make notes and he'd like say he'd be like make notes right now um Right, Eric Clapton. He's like, have to write Eric Clapton next to it. <laughs> it's just, it's the the scattered brain of just you'd look at it and go, this makes no fucking sense. But Scorsese looks at it and goes, right, that's the movie. Yeah. It, it, it's almost like code. Yeah. Somebody who knows code looks at it and it's a load of fucking it, it's code, but they're seeing the picture of what it actually mm. is. Yeah. It's the bonkersness of it all. Mm. What have you been watching here? Um, so I, I talk a bit about Resident Evil 4 uh, remake um, so uh, this is um, <clears throat> out on PC the Xbox series consoles PS4 and PS5 um, so I played about 4 or 5 hours of this last weekend and then deleted it and then I started it again because it's very Moorish. Mm. Um, I think but maybe I just sort of remake games are they? They they're very much like there's no breaks in them where you think, yeah, this is a good place to stop. So you end up just playing them for ages. <laughs> and that's exactly yeah. So that's exactly what happened to me Sunday night last week, where I I, I went to bed at about midnight, which is not like me because I was just like, I'm just going to do this bit. Oh shit! <laughs> then this has happened. Okay, I've got to do this bit. So kept on happening so but i've started it over again so i'll talk about where i got up to so i got up to um where you uh find um ashley is that her name yeah uh, um and and then you've got to like start kind of like protecting her while battling stuff and i was just like right fuck it i'm done but i've come back to it now like okay four is the last, so resident Plagas one isn't it or Plagas or whatever it's called Sorry, four is the- oh the the, the 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 um very sensitive depiction of rural Spain. Yeah, yeah, but the yeah. the virus is called like Las Plagas or something, isn't it? and that leads yeah, yeah. to like biohazard, I think. Sure, because that's reference. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, it is because I've I've not played four all the way through ever, like even the old back in the day. So yeah, I'm really so, interested it- to play it. It and it sets it up more. So okay, so Resident Evil Two. I tried playing that again a couple of weeks back, and I got as far as Mister X being introduced. Oh, God, that dickhead. And then I was just like, right, okay. So now every now and then this guy is just going to pop up, and then I've just got to run away from him. <laughs> do I? No, no, I'm no. Oh, God, um, I forgot about him. So yeah, so done. Um, but Resident Evil Four feels like Resident Evil if it was directed by Michael Bay. <laughs> and that I can fuck with. So this is action horror. This is you kill people and they just drop bullets. Nice. Um, And you just, I never ever feel like I am not equipped to do the job. Resident Evil 2 
I constantly felt like I wasn't equipped to do the job. And that's the whole survival horror aspect of it. Yeah. You know, just the constantly, oh my God, I don't have enough to live. This is like, no, 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 you do that. You just have fun shooting things in the head and then melee kicking them. Like, you jump out of windows. You'll be fine. You know, um, and it is really, really fun. And I do feel tense, and I it, it, it does freak me out from time to time, but it doesn't have that oppressive atmosphere of Resident Evil 2. And it, like, there's the big thing when the original came out where it was like, it was the turn the series took with, with then 5 and 6, where it went bit more action game with horror elements but i'll I, me being me that's more where i'm at so see i think that's where I, that's where we kind of diverge a little bit i love the creepy yeah 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 absolutely shit unless the action but we'll give it a go but but it's just it's very very fun and just the the thing is so with the playstation 5 here's a sales pitch for playstation 5 again thanks um so the controllers have these things called adaptive triggers where you you like they can program it so that you have resistance in the triggers and so the different guns have a different trigger feel and the like the feel of a shotgun just being a big pop versus the handgun being a bit more like but 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 and kind of like the the trigger like stopping your finger it's very immersive <laughs> um and just like that that kind of stuff and it's just like when when you're being like um attacked like they've got you and it's r2 to stab a knife in their neck you press that and it's a really satisfying press down of the trigger to do the <laughs> funk and it kind of like replicates the whole kind of like i'm fucking putting this knife in you boom you know kind of thing it's re- like it's fun um so yeah i i really uh, yeah i'm enjoying my time with it and i i will try and see it out um but yeah it's fun uh so resident evil 4 remake um so uh so i watched the departed as obviously we already talked about um i watched ralph breaks the internet um second one yeah yeah it is yeah so i um i came in from walking the dog yesterday and the girls were watching wreck it ralph it was part way through, so I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to get into this because we're part way through. Um, so, um, uh, Donna went out last night, and I, um, I, I was playing Fortnite with Lottie, and she was like, oh, I'm a bit bored, can we do something else? And I was like, do you want to watch Ralph Breaks the Internet? She was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we took her to the cinema to see it, and she didn't remember a thing about it. Ralph Breaks the Internet, I don't think is as good as Wreck-It Ralph, um, even though it's got some interesting shit in it about um, Ralph being insecure about Vanellope wanting to live her life, like potentially like without him being there all the time, and so he's labelled as an insecurity, and then this virus identifies him as like an insecurity, and then it makes like loads of Ralphs, and then they morph into a big Ralph, and then he's kind of like the bad guy at the end, but he's just basically insecure. And I, I, I think that's a, quite a fun idea. Um, it's 
but it's aged. Like, there's a lot of, like, websites about that it's referencing. It's like, well, that doesn't exist anymore. Um, <laughs> definitely made in a way more innocent time about Twitter, where Twitter is represented by a bunch of lovely blue birds and not Elon Musk just going, I am the Lord. I will take your verified status away from you. Give me $10 a month, you fucks. Um, I, so, I, I also weirdly, like, moving the hash tag button so you have to go in and find your hash rather than it just be on your standard keyboard. It's just a really weird little whack on that. <laughs> Have they? No, oh, I didn't. I don't. I don't tweet. So. I don't very often. But yeah. Sorry, I, I just. I, I, I was looking. No, at, no. When you type, usually it used to be. Oh no! What is it? We yeah, find it there anyway. Well, it's on mine. Yeah, but you don't update your app. No, I haven't. Known. He. He's made loads of weird decisions. You're, um, not, you're not going to be able to vote in like, um, you know, like polls. Apparently. Yeah, unless, unless you've got Twitter blue. Yeah. yeah. What about when we do our definitely not shit polls? Well, we'll find out in a few weeks. <laughs> well, we're fucked. Um, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I, I, um, I just looked at the time. Ralph Breaks the Internet. I, I enjoy it. It's not as good as the first. Lottie, the Disney princess scene in it, those who've seen it will know what I mean. She freaked the fuck out. She was fucking loving it. It was just like Disney princesses in pyjamas. Um she was all about it so yeah that was good uh rewatch the unbearable weight of massive talent uh that film's cracking uh it's just really really fun there you go um and i watched Lufa, the fallen sun (laughs) yeah never watched an episode of Lufa in my life but it was on my netflix loads um so uh just very very quickly um andy circus is fucking terrible in this uh strong what Mark thinks about Toby Jones vibes for me with Andy Serkis. Mm-hmm. Um, like, brilliant motion capture performer, unsure about when he's actually on screen. Um, awful character, though, to be fair. Really, really bad. Um, I can't believe that this is, like, this is the film that they wanted to make when it was like, okay, we're going to do a big screen version of Luther, and it's this. It's a bad <laughs> film. It's just a bad film. It's basically, Luther is in prison for some reason. I don't know if that happened at the end of the TV series. But he's basically a copper who um, likes punching people and not doing things the professional way. Uh, He breaks out of prison because a uh, guy, played by Andy Serkis, is uh, basically uh, tormenting him with, um, I... Did uh, I did a murder that you didn't solve, and now I'm going to do some more shit. So I thought he was like a massive big bad and was like a figure from his past. And it's like, no, he just is this guy who's just literally just come up now. He's not a big bad. Um, it's kind of interesting at the start because it's um, Andy Serkis's character is you is basically hacking into people's smart home devices to get leverage on them to then blackmail them into doing shit which is interesting and it's like this whole thing of what what he's blackmailing them for they're not necessarily like big world changing things they're small embarrassing things yeah. that you know would just be like harmful to their social circle and whatnot if it went out which i thought was interesting uh but by the end it's like okay Luther and cynthia arivo have um gone to uh 
Norway, I think it is, or Sweden, so that it can have sweeping shots of them walking uh, in amongst like snowy shit. Um, and then the the ending is this bizarre. Actually, Andy Serkis just web cast like live streams people being tortured and killed. And he's got loads of cameras. And this is a point that Noel picked up on, which is, yeah. He's got all these cameras and all these, like, people. Spoilers for Lou for the Fallen Sun. All these people are live streaming in. These sick fuckers are live streaming in. But when they log off because of stuff in the film, everyone they log off, a camera goes off, which seems to be indicating that every live streamer is represented by a camera. And there's a lot of cameras, but he also says that there are tens of thousands of people watching. <laughs> so how does that make sense? This film is not good. It is really, really not good. And Andy Serkis is wearing wigs that just... What the fuck? Yes. Bad movie. And I, I, I'd be interested to see what fans of the show think. Because if I was a fan of, that, of a show and then I watched that film... Fucking hell. It's like the second X-Files film. <laughs> uh, there we go. So, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Honor Among Thieves, is directed by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, I'm going to say from my memory. I fucking rinsed it. Stars Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, the improbably third build Regé Jean Page um, <laughs> yeah, no, Justice that. yeah what the f I mean that's some agent shit that is Justice Smith Sophia Lillis Hugh Grant and others um, so a charming thief and a band of unlikely adventurers embark on an epic quest to retrieve a lost relic but things go dangerously awry when they run afoul of the wrong people Becky you fucking love Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves I fucking did love Dungeons and Dragons. I was gonna go so we went to see it on Friday night at half past nine after you finished work at nine, didn't we? Yeah. Didn't get home until half past one. That was a day. But then Mark was at work till eight on Saturday and I finished at five and I was like, right, if there is a fucking showing that starts sometime relatively close to five o'clock, I'm going to see this again. <laughs> but there was not, alas. There was not. Um yeah, I fucking loved it. It it just had real kind of like nostalgic value for me. Um, for like like back when we were kids and like there was just really good fantasy films and TV shows just all over the place and we just took them for granted. It just really took me back to that place. Like it had kind of storyteller vibes for me. Um, with like the, the, the fucking weird costuming and stuff like that that just shouldn't have worked. It should have looked stupid, but it just you. Yeah, I think if you if you're in, then the the cat lady whose kitten's been eaten by a fish don't bother you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it just it just honestly it it was just really sort of I felt really like involved in it and the story was great and all the performances were great and it was just like it gave me that same kind of magical feeling that watching like Labyrinth and Legend as a kid used to give me. I really really fucking loved it. Film of the year. <laughs> Good. <laughs> But yeah, oh, we'll get into it. That bit where he's Sorry. playing the fucking loot creased me. Yeah, you were, you were. The f that was some strong twenty-one Jump Street when they're doing the drugs. Yeah. 
and they like uh, vibes like the just where like is it like his chin just keeps going down <laughs> yeah, and they yeah. hold it for longer than they should but it's very funny and his eyes just well, eyes just getting bigger <laughs> uh, yeah uh, I, have to, I just okay, I have so, absolutely loved it I want to see it again well, well, God, like, sweet, one night you should that's great. It's we'll, we'll get more. There you go. I've checked. Sorry, go on. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll, we'll get it kind of all, more into the detail. But Mark, what were your thoughts? It, it's it's really quite charming and quite fun. Um, to be honest, I think they've they've got the casting really really well. And if you'd have told me that at any point over the past 20 years, hey, do you know what? At some point, Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez are going to be in a movie <laughs> together and they're going to have such great fucking chemistry. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I need to see those two fuck very badly. You'd be like, no, they won't. Uh, that, that won't happen. But they did. They had great... No, I know it won't happen, but yeah. I still want it. Yeah, they, sorry. They had great chemistry together. They played it very well. But not romantic chemistry, just real kind of... Like friends, yeah. yeah. They're just like... They're, they're... It just, they're, really, they're, there was they're the really odd like... moment, though. It felt like they were keeping their options open, is it? It did feel like there was a little element of that, but I, I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, yeah. The Oh, Bradley, when Bradley Cooper turns up and he's tiny, yeah. <laughs> and then at the end when when she's like giving like the eyes tiny, man, and the oh, yeah. tiny man. Oh, I thought she was fucking they great because she can she can be a bit self serious, Michelle Rodriguez, can't she? Yeah. Um, and just to see her having like a fucking blast in this was was so, just really nice. It was interesting because there was an interview with Michelle Rodriguez this last week where she was talking about how she turned down coming back to Avatar 2. And it was like, look, I've been killed off and brought back in Fast and Furious. And there were, there's, there's another one as well um, that she mentioned specifically. I can't remember. And it was like, it's like, look, can we not just do, if there's a woman who's not attached to a man, that you just don't kill her off in the first one and then <laughs> have her come back in future ones? And it's just like it's such a good point. And I am so pleased for Michelle Rodriguez that she's got this. And this film was projected to do 30 million in the US this weekend. It's going to do 40. So it's it's got it's tracking above expectations. It's... I'm a little bit worried about how it how it's going to drop off next week with Super Mario. It's alright because I'm going to go see it again. That, that, there you go. But no, honestly, I think the the good buzz about the film I think is going to hold it in decent stead for the next few weeks. I'm so pleased with Michelle Rodriguez. No, it was out, the though, fast films. The fast films. Them. They killed her off and they brought her back. Sorry, that's what it was. Of course it was. Sorry, Bex. Go on. I was just going to yeah. say, can I point out she does get killed off and brought back within this movie? <laughs> Yeah, no, no, yeah, but I mean, like, but at least it's within the film. Yeah, yeah. And just that that whole aspect as well. The It reminded me of Guardians Volume 2, where it's like, he may be your father, but he ain't your daddy. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it, it's like that kind of aspect to it, Michelle Rodriguez's character. Could have done with a little bit more of her and the daughter to really cement that but I get that they did have limited uh, screen time well, it was quite it was quite interesting that, that earlier on um, when he's apologising to his daughter and he's basically saying look I wasn't trying to bring back your mum I was trying to bring back my wife yeah and yeah. It, 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 it does like and you get the realisation from him of 
oh, hang on a minute, I'm trying to bring back... She's already got a mum. Mm. She didn't even remember her. Yeah. Mm. It, 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 it kind of... It worked within that. and yeah. It's fucking ballsy. Yeah. As well. Like, just the whole kind of, like, the paternal... Uh, the maternal mother is not the, the person that she loves. Yeah, yeah. Um... Was that the same interview when she was talking about like having to write really bulk up for the role as well? Uh, I, I no, I, I don't remember seeing that. But no, for this. Yeah, because she's like yeah. she's supposed to be like a, a fighter, like yeah. a warrior, and she's not really built like that, is she? Day to day, so she had to like um, she had to do lots of like weightlifting and shit. I think from what I was reading. So, I I need to do my one big problem with the film. Go on. I fucking need Justice Smith to not play this character again. It, it, like the, I'm, I'm in a situation. I don't want to be involved in this situation. Why am I involved in this situation? Oh, uh, fuck off! I like Justice Smith, but yes, you're right. He is often no. He he's he's fine. I don't have a problem with him. He's very like I, past, isn't he? But it, yeah, and it just like, all right, cool. The next one, let's have him and Sophia Lillis having some chemistry together. I've got no problem with that. That's a fun pairing. And, let you know, let's just have him be, I don't know, even if it's just like he's getting too cocky and needs to be brought down a peg or something, let's go the other way with him. Yeah, I, it, 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 it just, if, if he ends up being the big bad in the next one. Really weird with me uh, yeah, out no. when the, uh, the daughter went from being what like what she was to being like the little sister from Upload. That really freaked me out. Fucking hell! Yeah, okay. That that girl, Chloe Coleman, she's been in shit. Like she's because mm. I recognise her from a couple other things as well. She's in Gunpowder and she's not that. And she's in Avatar. Yeah, but you won't be able to see her. Well, no, you can't see her. Yeah, so it's like she's the girl in Marry Me. She's the girl who Dave Bautista protects in My Spy. Um, (laughs) It's just like she's like she's the girl with Adam Driver in Sixty Five. Apparently, yeah. Like it, it, it just like yeah. Her screen career started like five years ago. And she's been in multiple shit that I recognise her in. It's very odd. Yeah. Yeah, Regé Jean-Page um, being third build is is a reach. <laughs> I think it's a- like, I... Agent I, shit. He's not, he's not an actor I want to get behind because he's a bridging wanker in a, but he's, he's, he's really good in this. Oh, he's, he's really good in this, yeah. He's a lot of fun in it. He's so funny, it, yeah, and, and him and Chris it, Pine riffing off each other is really good. See, oh no, the, 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 the best bit in the entire movie is, so, I mean, he's work, walking a really straight line. There's a rock there, let's see what he does. Oh my god. just walks over the rock. Absolutely <laughs> incredible. The fact that the, there's then they continue the scene in the background, he's still just walking in a straight line. Is. <laughs> It's great. I was it, just—I—I I, I didn't pay attention to anything else that was happening in that scene because I was just watching him oh, continuing I, to walk in a straight line, and then when it meets the cliff that he's walking towards, he just disappears into the cliff. I didn't notice that. That's great. I just like it needed 
a bit more of that. I'm not like because I, I don't. It what it wasn't overly kooky or anything, which is great. And they didn't have the kind of MCU of like, well, that just happened, you know, or you know, yeah. It, it, but that and the whole at the start when they're doing the prison thing and they're asking for Jonathan, and it's like, when, when is he coming? <laughs> And it was just like, okay, because he's actually a friend of his. Okay, this is going to be interesting. No, it's just so they could bundle him out of a fucking window and he'd fly off. I like that. I love how fucking stupid that plan was. It was great. The fact, the fact that they're there going, wait, we've just approved it. Yeah, yeah that, that, I mean, that was good. And then yeah, a grab just, try know, and do it later on. up the whole, like, you know, he's on our side. Oh, I think you really want to hear his perspective. And it's just like, no, it's fucking... I also I also really loved the ongoing like potato thing. What was that about? It was just there. Oh, just the potato being really hard when it hit Hugh Grant. It it just added like oh noise. Potato thing throughout. Like she she's eating potatoes in the prison. She constantly if they're around, she like looks at them like really lovingly. She'll use them as weapons. It's just like there's just potatoes are like this ongoing it thing. It must be something to do with the game. It must be, yeah. I also really enjoyed the fat dragon. You really, you really liked the fat dragon, <laughs> yeah, didn't you? That was fucking hilarious. It's just like when he was coming out, I was like, that's a really chunky yeah. dragon. And then they're just like... <laughs> and then they say it themselves. That's a real pudgy dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, this feels better than I remembered it being... <laughs> And I mean, Hugh Grant's great as well. Um, like, the way that it's like, his plan is he doesn't just want to be Lord, he does just want to steal all their <laughs> shit yeah. and fuck off. It's brilliant. Yeah, the, 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 I, 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 I don't think I can watch them kill you. So I'm going to leave the room. <laughs> yeah. Such a, there was also a, a good cameo in this that nobody else this in a watch, and I did full fucking Leo meme. Which one? When, what, Cooper? When Tom Rello turned up. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who was Tom Morello? It was a guy in the audience who they focused on for way too long. Who's <laughs> um, kind of... Oh, it, when Justice Smith's doing his thing at the, towards the start? No, at the end. Oh, really? Yeah, there's Tom Morello's there. Um, and I did the full, like, DiCaprio, like, pointing at the screen with Becky going, what are you pointing at? <laughs> what... The, the the thing is, the amount of Hollywood people who are big D and Ders and they didn't play into that was interesting. Like, I don't know how Joe Maggianello is not in um, it. Apparently, the, the uh, John Rustin has said that um, Morello, one of the other guys who's in their Dungeons and Dragons game they've got going, and Joe Maggianello are actually were actually did shoot bits. It's just they didn't want to make it too obvious that they're there, but apparently he is in it somewhere. <laughs> it it just it's just give Maggianello a role in the next one in in the next one. Just do it. Yeah, he doesn't have to be a big part of it. And he, he he'd do it in a flash. Yeah, yeah, um, I, yeah. I, yeah. I, it, I will watch this film up quite a bit again because it is a good time. Pine, it is just great at playing this character. I just, I will say, Daisy Head as the villain, I liked her. They needed more of her. I thought at the end when she was giving that that kind of speech of, um, I've had to 
like sit around men making stupid decisions and just having to deal with it for years. More of that, please. Um, I was kind of a little bit... The third act I was a bit disappointed with. It felt like they'd run the extent of their budget. It, and the, 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 yeah, the yeah. people they turn around on the bar and then have to go back. It feels a little bit like you probably could have ended it there. Yeah, I, I, I don't yeah, know. It just died. everyone in that little place that died. Yeah. Oh, no, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say, I, I don't know, it was just like, at the end, I, I get it, like, they're, they're coming together and, and joining up their powers to, to, to defeat her and whatnot, it just, I, I don't know, I, I, I feel like it just could have been a, a bit bigger, and I, 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 I just got the sense the production value uh, didn't quite stretch there, also, I will say, some bad compositing at points, some bad CG. The thing is, I think that if this does well enough, they're going to go, right, people like this, we will spend some money on the second one because now that we've established this, you know, I I think the second film is going to fucking slap. I really, really liked this, don't get me wrong. And talking about it, I think I like it more. And I'm looking forward to watching it again. I don't but know I think the second one's going to slap. Money at the second one, though, I like that it looks like. I think I, I think some of the hawkiness is is them going right. We don't but have the budget, it, it, but let's. But but we can we can lead into it a little bit. But I I mean more like maybe less CG, more animatronics. Yeah. yeah. Because they had some good animatronics in it. it. It's like actually spend it on feeling like a lived in place. Yeah. To, like, I, I think that's what it is actually that battle at the end it is just actors against nothing real throwing shit at each other yeah which feels a little bit like really are we not done with this yet <laughs> yeah and it, it's like do do this like more more obviously practically and I, I you know and I could vibe with that because it's like Jonathan like the fact that it was obviously an animatronic and the the corpse, the five questions bit, by the way, fucking amazing. Like that whole just like having to ask multiple corpses <laughs> because they only get some part of the way into the story. That Before one who just die, smacked yeah, his yeah, head. Yeah. Oh, that first one. So shall I ask him another question? Yes. No, not you. Don't answer me. Why did you answer me? <laughs> it just goes to his why, why get my fucking shovel why did you finish that question why did you finish that with a question <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I mean, and also as well the the post credits could somebody just ask me a question yeah 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 what on earth is that it's an owl bear I really enjoyed that as well <laughs> uh, if I if yeah, I didn't also the next go on Sorry, go on. I was going to say, if I didn't only get one a year, I might, I might, I might have gone full fall out on this, but I need to reserve it. <laughs> yeah, you need, need to, to save that. that. Yeah. Before Mission Impossible. <laughs> I'm going to watch the um, Fallout trailer again there. <laughs> it, it just, yeah, I don't know. Sophia Lillis maybe play a bigger part next time as well. Like, pair her up with Justice Smith, have them, like, do some adventuring or something. That would be, that would be good. But yeah, Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez, the on-screen friend couple, were never knew I needed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely not shit. Strong. Yeah, definitely not shit. Um, strong. I just realised I haven't done any of the polls for this show. Fucking idiot. Um, 
So, Dungeons and Dragons, our honourable Steve. Definitely not shit, 80%. Touching cloth, 20%. Um, Murder Mystery 2, definitely not shit, 56%. Touching cloth, 0. Shit, 33 and Geostorm, 11. Fair enough on that one, actually. (laughs) And Tetris, definitely not shit, 50%. Shit, 17%. And Geostorm, 33%. I can understand Geostorm for that. I can as well. Uh, We do have some questions. Are you not going to ask me what my rating is on Dungeons and Dragons? I think we all know. It's not the point, is it? What's your rating? Definitely not shit. Yes. Hell yeah. I am going to go see it again tomorrow. I've decided. Good. It is decided. Nice. Uh, Rick Kidd says, with the Easter bank holidays coming up, it's usually a time for TV channels to trot out the old classic cinema epics. What are your favourite classic epic films, if any? On a bank holiday Monday, any fucking Bond film. Well, again... I always used to do like fantasy shit on bank holidays if I was watching stuff about so it would have been probably like Labyrinth. Good call. Uh, I don't really have any like epics like that. My epics, my epics are all things like fucking Scarface and Day Hunter and shit like that. <laughs> are you like Jurassic Park would count? I don't, yeah, but I, I, I've seen Jurassic Park enough times that I never need to see it again. Um, maybe the uh, original three indie films. <gasps> yeah, they're great bank holiday mm-hmm. movies. Yeah, or the Mummy, the, the Mummy films. Yeah, so adventure shit. Yeah, yeah, adventure shit. Adventure shit. Star mm, Wars are always good bank no. holiday movies as well. No. Well, I might, well, I might rewatch all the Star Wars movies. That's fine. Night. You can do that. Oh, well, I watched four, five, and uh, Donna and I watched four, five, and six over Easter a few years back. That was fun. The prequels. Four, five, no, four, five, and six. So the, the original, the newer ones. The, the original oh, ones. The original ones. Yeah. Okay. E- so episodes re- four, five, and six. Right. Okay. Uh, we've got a question from um, Andrew Lord of Numbers uh, saying, Morning, love the show. Uh, one of my most consistent entertaining podcasts. Thank you much for that. Um, my question is, is Tarantino right in his theory that directors get worse as they age and doing the right thing stepping away from directing? Personally, I'd be gutted if he quits. Um, no, I don't agree with him. I also think Tarantino is cheating and I think he knows he's cheating. I think he'll find a way to continue to work. For he sure. will. Yeah. He's, he's saying this will be the last Quentin Tarantino film. Mm. I think he'll do something, he'll remake something. He won't count it as a Quentin Tarantino movie if he writes, if he directs something someone else has written either. Yeah. He, he could call out, but he could write something for someone else. I he, don't think he'll do that. No, because he didn't didn't like it with what's it did he true romance no he he he, he doesn't he, he accepts the fact that true romance he'd have made true romance different mm. and has stuck to the original script but agrees that tony scott's version of true romance is better than a version he would have made he hated natural ball killers yeah i'm not saying he didn't like true romance he didn't like the process of true romance though did he i think he true romance basically sounds romance and, and um Russell Dawn paid for him to be able to make Chris White Dogs. Mm. Yeah, I reckon he'll cheat. Um, yeah. For sure. But, I don't know. There's, I think there's probably a plateau. I think there is a little bit of a case of you either die a hero or live long enough to become a villain. Is it, I think there is a bit of that. I mean, look at your... Um, yeah. What's his face? Clint Eastwood. He's a bit of a problematic dickhead nowadays. But was he already always, always a bit problematic 
It's... How it's I, I think there's an element of you've either got to move along with the times and adapt. This goes for any, I think, walk of life mm. of this. You've either got to adapt to like the changes that are happening because um, if you rile against them, what's the point? So if you're a filmmaker from, let's say, um, you know, you're putting something up against, for instance, um, Scorsese and uh, Francis Ford Coppola are, are two great examples, two like heralded new directors in the 70s. Mm. And Coppola was like top of the fucking world. And he's got a new movie coming out this year. It's first in a long time. But the guy hasn't made a good movie in 30 years. Whereas Scorsese, their peers, they're around the same age, has been consistently... You know, you could argue that his output of the past decade is as strong at any point during his career. But he's, he's I- a... He's a film buff, though, isn't he? So he will see the new stuff that comes out. He will see the changing trends. He seems like the kind of guy that probably kind of keeps his finger on the pulse a bit as to trends, social issues, etc., and advances in technology. Like he seems like he wants to stay, like, with it in bunny ears. Whereas I think the further away you get from your formative years the harder it is to do that. Yeah. He's making a conscious effort. Yeah, that, 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 that's fair. This, this is the thing. I wish that Tarantino hadn't had been so public and going like, this is my limit, and instead just went on until he was like, I genuinely don't think I can make a film as good as... Like, I don't know. It's almost like he's it, given himself a bit of a psychological out here where he's just like, right, I'll do this 10, 11... And then done. And then I don't necessarily I, I like I if I contribute anything elsewhere and then people don't like it, well I've already said that I don't think I'll be able to do, do any good work past this point anyway, so I've almost like insulated myself from criticism. having that kind of criticism. Yeah. You know, whereas if it was more like ten years down the line, he just says I'm retiring because I genuinely just don't think I have it anymore. It's like by doing this, he doesn't have to say that. That's it. It's a. It, it will be a, a a shame, but there is an element of. I, I mean, maybe he just. Maybe he wants to enjoy his immense wealth in his advanced years, and he doesn't the, want the, to have to make films. But the, yeah, there's, there is there's that. An, an, an element of, of that. I I do think he's fibbing. I think he's fibbing. Mm. I think he's fibbing. I think he's lying. About what? About the fact that this will be his last movie. I don't think it will be. I think it'll be... I also... Who thinks that that he won in five or six years' time do Kill Bill 3 and go... Oh, but that don't count because it's a sequel. Don't count because it's all part of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, one and two are really just one. Well, yeah, because, I mean, that's the thing. Because I've... If you didn't say that, his tenth film would have been Once Upon a Time, yeah. which, to be fair, would have been a beautiful film to end a career well, on. Yeah. But then, but yeah, but, but um, then, like, like also there, there, there is an element of I don't think he ever wants to make a film that he doesn't think is better than his last one. He's gonna struggle. Yeah, he's gonna struggle. That's the and, and that's the thing. The I'm gonna make ten. 
just I don't know. That feels like such a silly, arbitrary round number yeah. to put on it, and just like you know, just just say when you're like. I don't think I've got it anymore. I think we got some up and comers who are doing who are doing some fantastic shit. I'm looking forward to watching them, and you know, like if I, I'm, I'm gonna put out some stuff on film criticism, and these are my opinions and whatnot. And also, I'll be honest, guys. I mean, like I, I kind of feel like Tarantino in ten years is gonna make make some shit that the the society is gonna think is cancelable. Mm. Like I, I just I, I feel like that that could be coming down it coming in the post for Tarantino if he does keep on yeah, I do you know like there's yeah 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 it's it just like there's gonna be some sort of misunderstanding of society or like not not reading the room and you know I'm not gonna say it's ever gonna go to like Alan or Polanski kind of like territory but I feel like at some point he is gonna make like if he kept on going he will make something that pe- that like people are gonna be like fuck off yeah th- th- there's an element of I think we turn to there's a bit of I think he wants to go out on top yeah, he doesn't. I, 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 he doesn't yeah. I mean, one of his, a weird one of one of like, one of Tarantino's like directing heroes. Um, that he doesn't talk about that all that often because he talks about a lot of his like his influences and bits like that. But one of his filmmaking heroes is uh, is Walter Hill. Um, uh, oh god, yeah, he just keeps going. And Hill keeps going. I haven't watched Death for Dolly yet, but apparently Death for Dolly is 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 actually quite good. Mm. But even I would admit Hill's made some just like. Well, that's just quite generic in the past, like, two decades. Mm. Just back to Tarantino for a second. Yeah. So his 10 includes Death Proof. Yeah. I'm surprised he counts that. Well, he counts Death Proof as a movie that exists in the Tarantino universe. So Death Proof is a movie that characters within the Tarantino universe will go and see. But I'm surprised he counts it as part of his ten. Don't think he'll get away with not. <laughs> well, it's but it's a collaborative project with Rodriguez. But no, but Death Proof is also a physical copy that you can buy of just that movie. Yeah, yeah, Death, uh, yeah. I mean, Death Proof is its own thing. It's but then film. again, Volume Two is its own thing as well. Yeah. So, yeah, he's cheating. He's yeah. cheating already. That's that, that's what I mean. The fact with the fact that he's cheating to keep yeah. himself. <laughs> and a bit of room to make another movie. Got- I'm surprised. It wouldn't surprise me if he came out in a few years and went, well, Death Proof doesn't really count, so I'm just going to release this last one. Yeah. He's got wiggle room in there. Yeah. He's built himself something. Yeah. That was that was it for questions we had. Cool. Good discussion. Cool. Okay. So, uh, let's go off because Mark needs to take a nap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's night working, <laughs> like for context. Um, okay, next week uh, we got cat. some. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we got some good shit coming next week as well. So Ben Affleck is back in the directing chair for the creation of the Air Jordan. Uh, apparently, it's good. Air. Uh, Mark and I will be watching the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, which I am incredibly excited for. <laughs> I'm not joking. I am. So pumped. We are seeing it on Good Friday. There's seven of us going. Uh, we're going to go to Pizza Express beforehand. We're going to have a fucking time. I can't wait. Um, and 
Russell Crowe is back. <laughs> I am fucking pumped. And he's the it. Pope's exorcist. <laughs> That's what you're most pumped for, isn't it, Oh, for sure, yeah. Let's fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's the Pope. Why? Yeah, of course Russell Crowe's the Pope's exorcist. Why wouldn't he be? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it, it just, it, it's going to be a fantastic time. So, uh, right. We'll uh, we'll we'll get off so Grandpa Foster can uh, have his nap nap. Uh, thank you very much, Becky. Thanks, Ian. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you very much, Ian. And thank you very much, listeners. Have a very pleasant rest of day. Bye. Bye. Oh. Good time.